leaving so soon? Atreyu, and you're on a quest. How'd you know that? You were unconscious, and you talked in your sleep. Why, could you get round and scratch behind my right ear? I could never quite reach it. UFO on our when we did the, the Christmas radio play. Hi, where are you like calling? The convict. Steve. Where are you calling from, Steve? Prison. I don't have a radio. Leaving so soon. <laughs> Thank you. Why, hello, it's dreaming it's at 18 seconds after the hour of eleven, and this is the month of February in the year of our Lord. 2008, thank you for coming by, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. By the way, the object of today's program is to make Sarah laugh as long and as often as possible because I do believe she injured herself somehow bowling last night. And so every chortle is a chortle filled with pain. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want to join us? You want? You should talk to us. Uh, 503-733-2970 for your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your two cents, uh, your covetous uh, recipes, uh, whatever. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane... Whatever, the odds, the ends, the in-between, the strange, the morally indefensible, whatever. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, so thank you for coming by. It is uh, Wednesday. And welcome to Day 12. Here's what's coming up today. Oh, by the way, I have the single. I have the. Does anybody here in this room? I say no, and the answer is no. Does anybody here read the CBS updates that you get in your email? No, because you have to open up s several windows to get to them. And it's always, and it's never, it's always like a PDF file. Yeah. Wait, is there is there more irritating feature of the internet than PDF files? Especially, did you ever do this? And I know you have. 
Did you ever go to what? This is what we call a relatable problem. This is an everyday annoyance. What was that? I, what, I had this consultant one time who broke everything down into one of four categories. And he said that everything you did on talk radio should fit, should fit into one of four categories. It was, um, number one was men and women. Number two was TV last night. Number three was everyday frustrations. And number four was, how was the fourth one? Well, this is clearly why I was a failure under his tutelage, because I couldn't even remember. The, there's a fourth one. That, the fourth one was, I don't know, limericks or something. So there's, but there's, there was everyday frustrations, which is just, you know, which is one of those. Did you ever notice when you're trying to open that little mustard packet from the uh, fast food place, you can never get it to tear at the perforation. And then when you finally do, you tear it too much and it falls on your shirt. I hate that. Uh, I do have one of those, though, which is this. Did you ever do this? You go to Google, you're looking for a web page, you find it, you know, you're looking up, uh, you know, but, uh, banana guacamole, and you type it in, and the results come back, and you go, oh, there's the, okay, I'm going to click on that banana guacamole page in Google, and you click on it, and then it's like, this page is opening as a PDF file. And then your computer slows to a freaking crawl because it's got to open Adobe Acrobat or whatever that program is. Mm -hmm. I don't even understand the purpose of a PDF file. Like, why do, why do those exist? What, what, what are those for? Like, why can't you just type something and have it be like a regular document? What is the function of having something open as a PDF file? Does anybody know? No. No, no one knows. No. no Nobody no. knows. No. And it's always something that you then find really interesting and you want to be able to sort of copy some of the text and paste it somewhere else. Can't do it. It's impossible. Can't be done. Anyway, so because I know you guys don't read the CBS update... I read it for... That's actually not even true. I don't even read the CBS update. Susan Reynolds actually read it for me. <laughs> and now, little man, I give the update to you. So I have... I won't say it's... It, it's it's wrong. To say, it's wrong to say that this is good because it's not. Uh, it is... It's it's sort of darkly amusing mixed in with bad. Uh, but the darkly amusing is sort of... It is sort of odd enough... Um, that we will read that here just for you. So, uh, so we have that. Bob Costantini going to be joining us today uh, from the Hill. Uh, somebody asked if Lisa Desjardins was going to be joining us today, and apparently she's on a plane at the moment. So, uh, so we will we will probably talk to Lisa tomorrow. Not today, sadly, but today we get Bob Noodles Costantini. You know what? That's nothing to turn one's nose up at. Nothing to sneeze at. Uh, so we'll talk to Bob Costantini about yesterday's Super Tuesday, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, I got home around seven o'clock. And I didn't go to bed until midnight. I sat on the couch. The only thing, I, I, I got up and I went into the kitchen at one point to get a jar of olives. And that's it. And then I took the jar of olives and I went back and sat down on the sofa. And I ate fistfuls of olives while watching Super Tuesday results. Hmm. So, myself and my dog, who in turn does look a lot like Falcor. So it's all kind of one big circle of life. Uh, so, yeah, Super Tuesday last night. We'll talk about that here in a second. Boy, I was getting uh, text messages from uh, my friend Chris Neathan, who he is sort of double-fisted because he gets, uh, you know, he has Fox on one channel, CNN on another channel, MSNBC on another channel, and then he's you know, on the Internet as well. And apparently Sean Hannity was doing everything but just weeping like a, like a little girl. Apparently he was just doing everything but breaking down in tears, pleading with people to vote for Romney. Uh, so uh, Have you noticed that Lou Dobbs got new teeth that were clanking all night? <laughs> they were the whitest things I've ever seen. And every time he talked, you hear whistles and clanks coming out of his mouth. <laughs> it was the first time he wore them. Sort of the Richard Keel of CNN. 
and then uh, yeah, and then they had, they showed Anderson Cooper sitting at a desk once, but other than that, they they told him to go home early or something. Uh, it was weird. I, I actually saw that. I was watching last night, and at one point, Anderson Cooper they did this really abrupt shift last night to, and I don't mean to cast aspersions. I mean I'm just some idiot on the radio, but. At one point, they just really abruptly shifted to, like, not even the B team, but, like, to the the N team. Yeah. I was like, at one point, he was like, you know, okay, we're not even going to go to junior, but we're now going to go to people who just happen to be wandering by the stadium. We're now going to go to the Q team. And so, because, like, the A team, that's your, like, uh, your Wolf Blitzer. And I think Anderson Cooper, is he's, you know, the big yeah. A-lister there because he does 360. And then there's the B team, and the B team is like when you get to... I hate to say this. Larry King is a B team. You know, I mean, the, the funny thing about Larry King was they had him asking reporters questions, and then all of a sudden, uh, Wolf Blitzer broke in and said, Larry, we have to interrupt you in Los Angeles to tell you what's going on in California uh -huh. here in Atlanta. <laughs> like he was the only one in California. And he had no idea what was going on because nobody gave it to him on no. an card. At one point, I saw, it's true, and at one point, I saw Anderson Cooper giving whatever California results or something. And the camera was on Anderson Cooper. And then they go back to the two-shot where it's Anderson and Larry King. And Larry, as I've said before, he did that thing where he just, he was slumped over like one of those nickel, like one of those uh, nickel fortune-telling machines where you, you put it in and then suddenly the, the mannequin lurches to life and goes, and scribbles out a card and shoves it out the hole. And then the mannequin slumps over again. He was slumped over like the mannequin. Yeah. You know, and Anderson, back to you, Larry. And then he lifts up again. Why, thank you, Anderson. And then he just goes off yeah, to whatever. Lou Dobbs clanking teeth. <laughs> and his weirdly orange hair. Uh, so there's like the B team, which is Larry King. Kind of well-known, but not really like appointment viewing for anybody. And then there's the C team. And the C team is like the Campbell, uh, what's it, the Campbell Brown? Is that oh, her Campbell name? Brown, yeah. Campbell Brown. I made a note to myself last night about Campbell Brown that we'll get to in just a second. I was talking to Dan Bosica. At 9.57 last night, I made a note to myself. Something about Campbell Brown that I thought was so important I had to write it down. Uh, and then there's like, you know, and, and then, there's, then, then there's like the, the S team. And those are the guys that came on at around 11 o'clock, where it was basically just a bunch of bloggers and then like an intern in front of a green screen. And Anderson Cooper just threw it to them with, like, no warning. So I'm watching it, and it was, it was, it was you know, it's Carl Bernstein and Paul Begala and all those guys. And, and then Anderson Cooper goes, and uh, so we're done. Bye. Gone. Gone. And then they just threw it to, like, just a, just a bunch of guys in the basement. Anyway, but I still watch that, too, because I'm a retard. Uh, all right, so we'll talk to Bob Costantini about last night's results. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum joins us today. A uh, little bit of a, uh, I don't know if it's the final word. Close to a final word on Heath Ledger. Uh, let's see. Rush tickets today. Let's hope that goes better today than it did yesterday. Geek Watch today. Snuff Watch. Uh, Beetle-related Snuff Watch today. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. Skin joining us today at 1.30. Uh, don't forget uh, to be going to 970.am, by the way, and voting on the spam entries. Spam, spam, spam. Wonderful spam. Um, so go to uh, 970.am. Now, we have the ten finalists up there for the Spam Sculpting Contest. Uh, now, those ten fin now, just by being a finalist, those ten finalists uh, won copies of Monty Python's Life of Brian, the Immaculate Edition, remastered, featuring the all-new Story of Brian documentary on DVD and Blu-ray high-def as of uh, January 29th. What so is that, there now. anyway? What? Blu-ray high-def. How does that differ from a CD or a, a DVD or a, a cassette or whatever it is out there? In what way is this like a gramophone? Yeah. Um... I don't know. What's the difference? Is it better? Yes. Does that mean all the DVDs I bought in the past few years are no longer valuable? Well, they work. 
I don't really know the answer to that. I think that it's Blu-ray is the one that they've they've said is the winner. But I think when they do that, I think they're just saying that, hoping that we'll all ditch all of our crap and go buy new stuff. I think it's like HD, but for but for DVDs. You know what I mean? It's like an HD television. You know how HD is a better picture? I think like a Blu-ray DVD is a better picture than a regular DVD. But here's the thing. But I also believe, please don't call about this. Please put down your phone. Don't call about it. I do believe, though, that the leap from DVD to, like, Blu-ray DVD is not nearly the quality leap that it was from VHS to digital. Like, I think it's an incremental increase at this point. Well, anyway, if you got that, though, you can get Monty Python's Life of Brian, Immaculate Edition, uh, remastered, featuring the all-new story of Brian documentary out uh, as of last week. So go get that. Uh, but go to 970.am, vote for these spam sculptures. They're all really good. I do not envy you having to vote. Uh, because it's it's difficult. I mean, they're all really, really good. Uh, so we'll have the top three vote-getters in the studio with their sculptures on Monday. Uh, they will come to the show Monday with their sculptures. So that's going to be fun for everybody. And by everybody, I mean Tim. Um, spam sculptures in the studio on Monday. Spam sculptures that have been sitting around for like a good week, too. So that'll be fun. Um, and then the winner, of course, goes to see a spam a lot at the win in Las Vegas. So go to 970.am and do that. Let's see. Uh, what else? Blah, da, da, blah. Yada, yada. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Well, it's official. An accidental overdose of six different pills killed Keith Ledger. Or oh, Heath Ledger. Uh, yesterday, we were cursing its foolishness. But today, it turns out Oregon's late presidential primary... Could break the Hillary-Obama stalemate. Yeah, in your face. Now, here's something that nobody can give us the correct answer to. And maybe we should ask the CNN correspondents about this. There are varying stories saying who has the most delegates. Now, Both I... Obama and Hillary are claiming to be in the lead. I heard that it was Obama this so morning. I heard 840 Obama and 830 Clinton. So that's like 10 more, just a handful. Right. But the AP is claiming it's Clinton, but offering no numbers. It's a, it's kind of a statistical tie, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, here's the great thing about this, um, is that now not only does Oregon's stupid primary, which happens in May, mm -hmm. actually have some impact, but here's, here's just my whole dream scenario. My dream scenario is uh, that... I'm looking at the phones. I just know these people are calling about, like, HD Blu-ray crap. I just know it in my bones. Um... Uh, what was I saying? Ah, so um, it, my my dream though is that when the convention comes, it, that neither, which is possible by the way, this is mathematically possible, that neither Hillary nor Barack will have the sufficient votes, the sufficient delegates to get a nomination, which means that those votes in Florida and Michigan, which the Democratic Party will not recognize, mm -hmm. become the tie-breaking votes, which means that everybody gets their lawyers and it becomes a huge court battle oh, over no. those votes. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. I'm just praying to the God of everyone's choice. I'm going to sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice to make sure that happens. Uh, Elmer's Pancake House on 82nd has been robbed. Who would want to work there? Especially there. A battleground woman falls headfirst onto a knife and survives. A Florida man impales himself on a fence. And Alcatraz is safe in the wrecking ball. Excellent. Yeah, because they were going to knock that down. Yeah. You can't knock. Have you been there, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's cool. Alcatraz is so cool. Have you been to Alcatraz? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sarah Dillon joining us today. Hello. How are you other than sore? From bowling. Oh, my shoulder hurts. I'm doing all right. We played a horrible team last night. They were just mean people. Was this the team from KEX? I'm KEX sorry. 11. Was this another yeah. another radio station? I don't know. And I'm trying to figure out who this woman was. I'm, I've been looking at her website, but I can't figure out. <laughs> that was kind of out of my mouth. Just sort of, I'm not going to dump it. Who cares? No. So, um, they were, they we'll were never terrible. be hired there. So I joined the silly media league so you can, like, play different people and meet different people in the media. And it's yes. fun. It's like, oh, I've worked with all of you at some point. You know, la, la, la. And so we were playing this team last night. This lady 
shows up like a half an hour late. So we've all been waiting for her. Then when she gets there, all of a sudden she demands that everybody else wait around for her. Then when uh, we go and have like a smoke break between games and people are gone for like four minutes, she starts throwing a temper tantrum telling us all at AM 970 to get our S together. <laughs> and really? as she's like guzzling another glass of wine. Yeah, so it's just like this wasted lady who's obviously late 30s and she's dressing like she's about... 16. This is which this is by the way inappropriate. <laughs> the best the best thing this morning. Sarah's complaining about this this Clear Channel team that they were bowling against last night, and Sarah was recreating I think a lot of the dialogue that was going through your head last night when you were playing her. And right before the top of the uh, top of the show, Sarah's like, you know, honey, those cargo pants don't do you any favors. <laughs> is that the lady I kicked? Yes, we <laughs> thank you. I don't We're going to bleep out her name. For, I mean, I hope that she doesn't work for them because she gave a very poor representation of their company. She was Well, like, nobody works here for long. I was just going to say, really. Yeah, well, and Aaron, like, and Aaron was getting upset, and, like, they were all just being rude to the point, and, like, everyone started drinking more, and people were getting snappy. I'm like, I just want this to be over with. I they don't want to ruin that pristine time. public image that Clear Channel has. Yeah. If they're not careful, people will think badly of their company. Uh, yes, the bowling's usually fun last night, not so much. Tell Lara that she should be happy that she didn't go. Yeah, no, she was at home feeling uh, feeling under the weather. So uh, yeah. I think she spent the entire day on the sofa watching Celebrity Rehab and Rock of Love, starring Brett Michaels. Boy, what an embarrassing show oh, that people is. People are all over that show. And I ought to like that show because, you know, I'm a big Poison fan and, you know, whatever. But, boy, you know, that, that Rock of Love with Brett, Brett Michaels is just the worst thing I've ever seen. It is so bad. It was pretty... I've seen a couple episodes of it, and it was pretty hilarious. I will say this, though. Uh, almost alone among those sort of, you know, with the hookup programs, the girls on Rock of Love are really hot. I will give you that. That's it, Because girls on, on reality shows are almost never really attractive. Is the crazy, like, French girl still on there? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. she was my favorite. Yeah. Uh, and they do the great thing of writing out her subtitles phonetically, mm -hmm. where she's like, I am a stripper. She's like, I want to dress very slutty for Brett, because he likes me. love to see my bosoms. And it's all written with, like, Zs and lots of Os. Yeah. Oh, great. There's the best part of Brett Michaels in the Rock of Love thing. First of all, there's this one, like, puffy-lipped, a slut from Texas who gets up there. She says, "Like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't do a Texas voice because I really got to try to impress him because you know, like, he is like a living god." And like the expression on her face, it was so great. Um, but you know what I didn't realize is like at the end of the program when they do the elimination. Have you seen how they do the elimination at the end when the girls get up in front of him in like a glass peep booth? No, I saw oh, the great. one where they did the like peep booth dance for him, oh, where they so, all no. were in there for like two minutes. Every episode, apparently, though, they have to get Every up inside. Has a peep they have to get up inside a glass peep box while he sits while he sits in like an armchair in front of them, and then they have to do something in not necessarily strip. They have to. Is this the one where they're like ironing and yeah, stuff? Yeah, they have to do something in the peep box for him to. And so there's this one girl who's like ironing like in a bra and panties, and Brett Michaels is all like, makes me hot when chicks iron. <laughs> I'm really like, into it's the, iron. It's the worst iron. show. It's so great. It's so bad. And you know that he's just rocking that bandana every day because he's just a bald mess in the front. Yeah. I mean, I love he poison. Never... I really do, but come on. He's in his pajamas and he's wearing that bandana on his head. I'm like, you're not fooling anybody, buddy. Totally. Yeah, and it, like he has to put the token into the thing for the, the giant the, oversized for, coin for the curtain to come up to show the peep booth. Yeah, it really is. Are wonderful. you sure that's every episode, or was it? Maybe we just thought I don't the same know. Episode. I have to tell you, I've really only seen like a few. I I try not to stay in the room for too long at times because you can feel your brain getting smooth. My favorite was the girl who was like, "I'm really good at wrapping presents." So I'm gonna wrap myself as a present yeah. as my talent. I'm like, oh, she's my favorite. Dare to dream.
All right. Uh, let me see here. So, well, we'll talk Super Tuesday here in a second um, <clears throat> with Bob Constantini. I got some notes from last night, and we'll get these calls in just a second. So here are the calls we're going to get before the break. Someone has a question for Tim. Someone has a question about TPS reports. Someone wants to talk about PDFs and a question about spam. So that's the sort of variety we expect here at the, the Rick Emerson Show. Um, so Susan Reynolds gave this to me today. This is from the latest edition of the CBS Update. And uh, we're not making light of most of this. This is just uh, I am reading this word for word as it came off the CBS update uh, that we all received and that none of us read but Susan. That's why Susan really is the linchpin that holds this whole building together. She not only does her job, she really does the bulk of my job, too. Let's just be honest. Um, this is, says in memoriam. There's someone who has passed, as they say. Uh, Randy Salerno, co-anchor uh, co 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 of WBBM-TV Chicago morning and midday uh, broadcast. It was, uh, it was a tragedy. He was, uh, he was killed on January 24th. He was 45, beloved by his co-workers and viewers alike. Randy was, and I'm reading this, and again, I'm just reading this as it says on the page here, the CBS update. Randy was known as a skilled broadcast journalist, gifted writer, and versatile reporter who had an incredible sense of humor. Now, that's the first part of the CBS update about the untimely passing of Randy Salerno from WBBM Television. Now, this is exactly, by the way, as I conclude this, this is how you want to be remembered inside the company and to the public. Should... God forbid something happened to anybody here. This is how you want to go out. Anyway, so Randy Salerno of CBS was, uh, you know, his untimely demise. Known as a skilled broadcast journalist, had an incredible sense of humor. The station is offering a live stream of his funeral on its website. Oh. As of February 5th, the funeral has been viewed 82,000 times. Right there in the CBS. So and then there's some stuff at the bottom about uh, wife, children, family, parents, whatever. But that that shoved at the bottom, like the he is survived by his lovely and their three, and please send donations to the muscular dystrophy. That's like way at the bottom in tiny print, right? Just the whole the whole money section of the article. His funeral has been viewed 82,000 times. So there you go. So uh, let's make it 82,003, shall we? Let's all go to see his funeral right now. Uh, let's see. You can watch. I'm not even going to get the address. I'm just going to move on. Um, so there you go. I can only hope that my funeral is viewed by that many people when the good Lord takes me home. One can only hope. One can only hope. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, good morning, Tim. Hey. Tim and by Greg. the way, and I'm not. if anybody wants to accuse me of being insensitive, I am not making that up. I'm reading it directly off the page. Live stream of his funeral on the website. It's been viewed 82,000 times so far. All right, Sam, I'll give you that if you want to look up his funeral. In case you want something to watch during lax moments in the show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes, hello. Hey, good morning, Sarah. Tim. What, what, what's hello. up? So, hey, I've actually got a question for Mr. Riley. Yeah. Yes. All right, so since I've been up here in Seattle, this is Tony in Seattle, by the way. Since I've been up here in Seattle, I've been spending like three, four days a week eating vegetarian. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, man, there are times I feel like eating the leg off of small children. How in the hell do you do Are it? you eating vegetarian or vegan, sir? No, vegetarian. So so you're still eating you're, you're eating dairy, just no meat. So your yeah, question yogurt. to Tim is how you can satisfy what you believe to be your body's innate craving for meat. 
Yeah, without wanting to devour small children. Now, Tim, would you recommend that he, instead of doing it three or four days a week, make it a seven-day-a-week thing, and then do you think the meat craving will sort of go away? You know, I've never had a meat craving. <sighs> Nor do I care to eat small children's legs. Well, <laughs> so... Dude, and being grouchy all the time. About three o'clock in the afternoon, I want to kill people. Well, well that, that, it seems you, like you that all the time. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't just come with meat eating. Well, uh, now, Tim, as a vegan, now, would you say that there's lots of uh, vegan alternatives, though, to meat? So if he, if in other words, if he feels like he is sort of, if his body is like, hey, give me some meat to eat. Mm-hmm. Like, there's lots of vegan stuff that he could eat that would get rid of that. I would, I would assume so. Sir, yeah. have you tried corn? No. I've, okay, I've now you must. I'm not. No, really, you have to have it. Oh, now, they look. have it at Fred Meyer now too. Now they listen, and I'm I'm a I'm a big meat eater, sir. This is I am not a vegan nor a vegetarian, but I got to tell you, corn, uh, Q U O R N, corn is fantastic. It really is is very wonderful. And I got to tell you this, uh, it passes the Pepsi challenge. You'll never know that it's not meat. And Morningstar, uh, like corn dogs, if you yeah. like corn dogs or any of that mm-hmm. stuff, it's really good. Yeah, Morningstar I'm, makes good stuff. Yeah, too. Morningstar corn. If you really, it's not like it was ten years ago. Like if you don't want to eat meat, it, it, there's a lot of stuff out there that is just as good. You never know the difference. Okay. All right. So uh, go okay, with I God, sir. Right. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Rick. Hi. Hey, is this me? Yes, it is, sir. What's up? Hey, uh, you know, I was uh, I was looking at the latest issue in the Lama Week today, and I uh, I noticed that the, the guy that owned that Pirates Tavern place well, yeah, closed. The Pirates, but, uh, uh, yes. But now um, he he opened a uh, a, a a strip club. I do believe it is reopened as a, as a gentleman's club. Yes. Yes. Yes, but it's only for vegan women. Like he only has vegan dancers. Really? Is that true? Like his yeah, gimmick is vegan I, strippers? That's what I yeah. heard. Yeah. That's pretty great, actually. Yeah, I heard that. So, so I, you know, I was thinking about it. You know, like uh, you should put the word out to a Timmy Ryan since he's a vegan and all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably he's probably way ahead of both of us. That's <laughs> right. a pretty great gimmick. Mm-hmm. That actually is, you know, in in like a post suicide girls world, it's all about niche marketing and everything, even strippers. That's a pretty great idea. Yeah. Good for that guy. You know what's America? I'm for whatever makes people money. Yep. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Yeah. Well, you had a question about PDF files. Yes. I know they're very irritating when so they download. Think, what the hell? Why? What's the point? Well, there's a couple of things. Is One, there you can always download upgrades for free on the Internet, right? So you always stay upgraded. And the reason for that is, you know, have you ever tried to send someone a file or receive a, a, a Word document for somebody and it doesn't match your version? Yes. So that's why PDF is there. So anybody can access it at any, at any time. All right. So you don't, don't have to worry about... Um, Formatting. Formatting. Okay. And the other reason is, specifically, like, I was just reading an article on how to get rid of um, cravings to eat small children's legs, and it was in a PDF file. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the reason was, it was in a PDF file because the person who did all the research didn't want somebody like me just coming in and cutting and pasting it and putting it in someone else and say, yeah, look at all this research I did on it. So it's to make so a document for, secure. Exactly, to protect right. the, the authoring rights. All know. right, excellent. All right, thank you, sir. All right, excellent. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, gang, it's uh, Mailman Brian out in the Grove. Delivering Sorry about that. I was hell. watching a funeral. Okay. Oh, really? I wonder where that where that siren sound was coming from. Are no, you it's, it's an organ. Randy um, Salerno's funeral? Yeah, courtesy of uh, CBS2 in Chicago. Wow. You want to watch it? Click here to watch clips of the funeral. The Brave New World. All right. Uh, yes, hello, sir. What? Hi, hi guys. It's Mailman Brian. Hi. Grove. How can I help you? To the gang. Uh, question for you. First of all, uh, the spam contest. Um, I was kind of surprised you didn't uh, go with uh, naming the contest whole lot of spam. Was that 
thought about? Was that kicked around? A or... whole lot of spam. Well, you know, Led Zeppelin, never mind. Well, we went with a lot of spam, simply a lot of spam, because spam a lot. Right, of course. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I'm just curious. The one that's nice thing about being on hold is that you, you get to hear through all the dumps, so I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, so I will be calling. No, I won't. I, I, I'll be nicer, sir. Moving on. Um, I had a question. Is, is there any possible way to vote for the honorable mentions on the spam contest? Because there was one that I really liked a lot. The honorable mentions isn't one of them just a guy who took the spam out and put it on a plate and took a picture and was like, done. And then the other one was a guy who did the same thing, but he took a bite out of it first. Uh, the first one is uh, mine. Wow, really? Well, you know, I thought to go to go small. Were you trying to do like a Warholian thing where you just take oh. it out and put it on the plate and don't do anything to it and you call it genius? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm just honored that you guys, uh, that I have your respect. Well, you know what? The honor, you're, that is your prize, sir. Honor. <laughs> so thanks so much. Uh, best show yeah. ever. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Yeah, those spam sculptures are really good. Yeah, choose wisely, though, because it's it's difficult to pick from those. Have you looked at the spam sculptures, Tim? Uh, I haven't yet. I'm still busy uh, watching Randy Salerno's funeral. It's an hour and a half. Really? Really? Yeah. How many how many times has it been viewed, like, as of now? It doesn't say. It's, it's, really? Because it was 82,000 views. Hmm. Okay, I don't see where the counter is. All right. It's, uh, uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, guys. Love the show. Thank you. I uh, just wanted to call. There's a, for the guy who was wondering about vegetarian food, there's yeah. a, a brand new place that just opened up uh, on in southeast Portland on Division Street um, that serves really good food. It's actually vegan, but uh, it's so good that even us uh, omnivores could, could enjoy it. Well, that was the great thing about that Pirate's Tavern when it was open is that you couldn't really spot that the food was vegan if you didn't know. So. Well, this place just opened up where the old Seven Corners bike shop used to be on. Um, when, when did that bike shop go away? Just like a few months ago. I mean, that whole part of town is kind of switching up. But, you know why that is? That's Whitey doing that. <laughs> no, seriously. It's always Whitey. It's all going to start. Everything's going to start looking at that, like that Laurel Mediterranean Cafe. All right. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, give it a try. It's called right. Papa G's, and it's incredible. Um, the, the guy's a friend of mine, and really good food. Try All right. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, bud. Bye. All right. Two more, and then we're going to break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Hey, those corn dogs you're talking about, those vegan corn dogs, who makes those? Morning uh, Star. Morning Star. Morning Star, are they are they really good? Yeah, I, I, I love them. I eat yeah. them at least once a week, and they have they come on the six, or else you can get, like, the little mini corn dogs. Really? Do Trader Joe's like, makes them, too. Oh, yeah? yeah? Do, do they taste like the ones you get at the fair? Well, they taste like a regular corn dog. They yeah, don't they taste exactly like yeah, it. And like they have you, like a, a quarter of the fat. Yeah, you wouldn't like, be able to spot the difference. Tim says Trader Joe's makes them too. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I'm hungry. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Final uh, call before the break. Hi, you're on the Rick. We should totally. Uh, I'm trying to think of how we can get some of this. Uh, how we can get some of this funeral action that apparently is the key to viewership. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that's not a poorly formed idea. I got to think on that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yes. Hey, Rick. How you doing, man? What's up? Hey, I uh, just was thinking about uh, a good uh, post-Super Bowl ad Yes. Uh, that the uh, talking stain people could run uh, for Ash Wednesday. The talking the talking ash smudge? Yeah. <laughs> but it would, it would just speak in gibberish Latin? Right, right. Dominus Sebastus! Like a whole army of people walking around with a little... It makes the spirit of sanctity! Yeah, all right. <laughs> that's the only Latin I know. That's all I, the only Latin I can remember. That's the extent... Just enough to make that joke work. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. All right, and we're done. Oh, today is Ash Wednesday, is it not? It is Ash Wednesday. Okay, so now we now we begin the uh, now we begin the hunt for you know people in the building who have the ash on their forehead. And it, with every passing year, there's fewer of those people. I remember 20 years ago, you'd walk around on Ash Wednesday, yeah. especially in certain parts of the country. Every third person you saw had the ash. Um, and then, it, but with every year, there's yeah. fewer people. People just kind of realize that it just makes you look sort of 
It either makes you look dumb or unwashed. Where do the ashes come from? Is there an ash warehouse somewhere? Would you, do you not know the answer to this? Because I know. I don't know. Here's where the ashes come from, Tim. The ashes that they put on the foreheads of parishioners, uh, if you're a nutty Catholic, the ashes that they put on the foreheads of parishioners on Ash Wednesday are, in fact, the ashes of the dried palms from the previous year's Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So every Palm Sunday, which is once a year, those palms go in like a drying place, and then they get burned, and that's the ash they use the next year for Ash Wednesday. So this year's Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. that'll be next year's ashes for Ash Wednesday. Imagine that. See? The more you know. So can any religious person come in here and give us ashes, since we're Catholic? Are you really feeling the need for that today? Would you like me to set up a mobile confessional out there, too? Mobile ashing? <laughs> ashing while you wait. All right. Uh, all right, we can take a break. Uh, Bob Costantini about Super Tuesday around the corner. Later on at the Ministry of Truth, the noon news hour. Mr. Skin, rush tickets, all that, and uh, Steve Castabum. Stay there. It's the Rick Thank you, Susan Reynolds. Susan just sent me a clarifying email about something I was about to announce. I'm so glad she clarified this. So I was going to read this thing about the Bonnaroo Festival, which I guess Metallica is going to be headlining. Anyway, I guess it happens in Nashville or something. North Carolina, someplace. Manchester, Manchester, Tennessee. Has any place ever... Boy, that's an odd juxtaposition of city name and state name. That really is much better than Paris, Texas. Uh, the Bonnaroo Festival, Pearl Jam, Metallica, Jack Johnson, Kanye West, Allison Krauss, Robert Plant, My Morning Jacket, Willie Nelson, Phil Lesh, B.B. King, the rock and tour is dead. And then... Susan came to me sort of like, because, you know, there have been all these rumors that Led Zeppelin was going to play Bonnaroo, uh, which have made it like, would, would have been great and terrible, because it would have made it like the second Zeppelin show uh, this year that I'm not able to see, uh, because there's, you know, there's, there's no way. I mean, unless they do a massive tour, and unless God really loves me much more than the evidence indicates he does, there's just no way I would ever see it. So, Susan came in the and she's like, hey, just like you'd like to know, Zeppelin's confirmed for Bonnaroo. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool, but I'll never get to go, and the whatever. Upon closer inspection, Chris Paddock from KUFO uh, caught this. It's not Led Zeppelin playing. It is, in fact, Les Zeppelin. Yes, it's an all-lesbian Zeppelin tribute band. <laughs> just, a, just a minor difference. Les Zeppelin. That's awesome. That's wonderful. And it's in big letters. Les Zeppelin confirmed. It's genius. Oh. That is wonderful. Let's see if they actually do any... Uh, Let's see. Let's, they actually, yeah, there's no, uh, strangely enough, they don't spend a lot of time talking about that, but that's apparently who it is. Oh, and the drive-by truckers. Well, anyway. So, there you go. Just This just in. Les Zeppelin will, in fact, be playing at Bonnaroo, just like in case anybody, you know, was to, to ask you about that. All right. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, clear your mind that ye might receive the word and wisdom of Bob Costin. Uh, let me clear the cobwebs out of my own mind. Hello, sir. How are you? How much, how much sleep have you have you had as of uh, now? Not too bad. Uh, I took a little nap yesterday uh, afternoon when I got home or evening, and uh, woke up to catch some of the returns, um, and then slowly went to sleep before the California thing was finished. Oh uh, man! Well, the California thing are they they have they even broken out all the, the you know the the prime uh, the uh, the congressional districts? Uh, not exactly. There does seem to the there do seem to be some tallies of uh, how it all broke down, but um, I uh, uh, I can't say I 
they know exactly, it seems that way. Well, so let's just address a couple of things. First of all, if it makes you feel any less alone and sad about your life, let me just say that not only was I on the sofa all last night watching CNN uh, when I wasn't, like, checking my BlackBerry for political updates, uh, but I got several emails from listeners. A friend of ours was like, hey, I went home and I put three different computer monitors and three different televisions in my home, all set to different networks so I could catch every second of coverage. Um that's great. So, well, it's great in a really sad, it's good to see uh, dateless the kind of way. Caring, yeah. No, it's true. Um, so, let's do a couple of things. First of all, we've had conflicting reports this morning on the Democratic side about who leads the delegate race, and of course, it's going to be a slight lead regardless. But yeah. the AP is saying Hillary, but not clarifying. And I think uh, someone else—I I can't remember who—it might have even been CNN—said Obama. Do we know? Actually, no. I'm going with what uh, CNN has uh, on its website where the uh, political information uh, is garnered and gathered and turned over, etc., uh, which indicates that Hillary Clinton has slightly less than a 100-delegate lead over Barack Obama right now. And, um, you know, Obama could very well have a reasonably good next uh, week. Well, because it, it seems like the longer... How do I put this? It, it does seem like people who get a chance to hear him talk, meet him, see him, whatever, they do warm to him a lot. It seems like time is sort of on his side because his his, his favorables just continue to sort of go up the longer he stays in the race. Um, it uh, you know a lot of people do believe that uh, that uh, as long as he stays in this race, uh, more and more uh, people will come to his side. Um, that the test will be perhaps in a state like. Uh, Ohio, which has its primary on uh, March 3rd, and uh, Texas as well, then. Let me just tell you um, this. The great thing about last night is it does make this completely, uh, what was a completely stupid and pointless and inexplicably <laughs> delayed Oregon primary, it almost means something now. Um, you keep mentioning that, well, yes. Well, <laughs> seriously, I mean, come on, it's in May. Now, let me ask you this. Um, so it's a virtual dead heat, though, which is amazing. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's, I remember watching this, I think it was Missouri, Missouri, uh, which they finally called for Obama last night at like 11.15, but... Literally, it was like 49% to 48%. And, I mean, just you know, a few thousand votes. I mean, an entire state. And it was split almost exactly down the middle between Hillary and Barack. It was astounding. New Mexico turned out to be the same way. And, uh, in fact, they're still trying to figure out uh, who's who's ahead there. Let me just tell you this. Um, this is a little note to myself. Uh, but I, I made a little note to myself last night. This is fascinating. At 10.40 p.m., I made this note to myself, that the popular vote, not the demo, not the, 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 the um, uh, delegate vote, but the, the popular vote last night on the Democratic side, I mean, this is all told. This is the, the, everybody. As of 10.40 last night, the popular vote was split by only 80,000 votes. Wow. It was unbelievable. I mean, it's, I've yeah. never seen anything like that. Um, it's, it's fascinating to see um, how close it is. And frankly, that's the thing that uh, makes it really kind of disingenuous to say winners and losers. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, the, the delegate total is right now very close between Clinton and Obama, and neither one of them uh, is near half of what they need to win the nomination. Well, that's good. that leads to my next question. This is a question for you, Bob. So if it, it is conceivable, as David Gergen said, it is mathematically possible, not probable maybe, but possible, that they go into the, the, uh, the, to the convention with neither of them having sufficient votes for the nomination, which then the question becomes, do the lawyers, do they just lawyer up and, and go to court over Florida and Michigan? Well, uh, that's a very interesting question because eventually uh, some, 
somebody from Florida and Michigan uh, is going to have to be seated in that convention. Uh, there, otherwise, the states themselves will be upset yeah. about it. Um, who gets to actually choose them? Because uh, you know the the, the party uh, pen, penalized both of those states for moving up their primaries to the point where they said they would not seat their delegations uh, based on the voting results. Um, somebody sooner or later is going to have to represent those two states. They, uh, they can't leave a huge delegation on the floor. They're empty. Um, the other thing uh, that uh, could play into that uh, convention scenario is the, the so-called superdelegates. These are people who are elected officials, um, the senators, the congressmen, the governors, the uh, local mayors right. sometimes, and people who are part of their the Democratic National Committee, uh, they get a vote. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll notice that some of the – well, you may not notice it, but uh, the candidates have started to try to woo some of them as yeah. well. Uh, let's talk about the, the Republican side for a second. So sure. McCain is uh, – I mean, I, I know that everybody's putting the cart before the horse or whatever, the thing before the other thing to say he's the, the, the nominee. But, I mean, he, doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't seem like he's clinched it, but there's just no – it doesn't seem like there's any – like there's any way the other two, the, either Huckabee or, or Romney, can, can close on it. But the big story last night was that Huckabee – boy, how much do you suppose that Romney just has a Huckabee voodoo doll at home that he's just jabbing darts into? Just every, I mean, he I, – I, I will guarantee you this. You're going to be able to walk up to Mitt Romney like 50 years from now when he's in a nursing home taking gruel through a straw, and you'll still be able to raise his blood pressure by saying, Huckabee, in his ear, because he's just uh, – Huckabee just ruined, ruined Romney's entire night. It was wonderful, I mean, for me. Well, Romney ended up winning actually seven states, the various caucuses and primaries. Uh, but everybody seems to think uh, it was a bad night for Romney uh, because uh, Huckabee uh, showed down south that he is favored by the social conservatives in the Republican Party um, who you know don't necessarily like John McCain. Yep. And uh, Romney, of course, could win Massachusetts. He won Utah. Uh, he took Minnesota. Um, the the thing, though, that might be going against uh, both of them is the fact that um, uh, more states that have more greater have a greater population um, are more likely to go for John McCain. Uh, the um, what is it? Uh, Ohio, of course, I keep mentioning, um, which is coming up. And uh, then there's uh, well, next Tuesday we have Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. Uh, and Virginia, it tends to be, of course, Republicans there tend to be very conservative. Uh, but Maryland is bound to go for John McCain. Um, and, you know, it's just uh, it, it it's seems, one of these things that they may not, as long as both of them stay in the race, they may not really be able to catch it, up. It seems like this. It seems like if I'm Mike Huckabee today, and I'm no political strategist or nothing, but it seems like if, if I'm Ed Rollins, let's put it that way, here's what I'm telling Mike Huckabee. Mike Huckabee has to get in front of every camera. Uh, every microphone, talk to every conservative, whatever, pundit or blowhard or bloviator or whatever. And Mike Huckabee has to be saying this. He has to tell people, Mitt Romney has to get out of the race because he then makes me a guy who can take the nomination away from McCain. And uh, Mitt Romney said the same thing about Mike Huckabee uh, in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, if only Mitt Romney wasn't a, if only <laughs> Mitt Romney was electable. 
and Romney is um, actually in second place as far as the delegates are concerned. Uh. But uh, McCain is more than halfway to what he needs. Yeah, it's just, I think people look at Mitt Romney and Mitt Romney. You know, Mitt Romney just looks like a dad who's always about ready to take off his belt and just give you a whooping for some reason. I just think in their hearts, people look at Mitt Romney and they know that he's just mean. Just <laughs> Mitt Romney looks, and I know I'm kind of kind of biting Mike Huckabee's line here, but Mitt Romney does look like every guy who's either raised my rent or fired me. I mean, it really is. There's just no getting around that. So every bad, every bad uh, boss I've ever had bore an uncanny resemblance to that guy. So, all right, are you on tomorrow, sir? Uh, no, I don't believe so. All right, well then, uh, enjoy your time away from me, and uh, well, we will. Uh, thank you. We will talk to you at some point it's in the always year. a pleasure. Talk to you at some point in the near future. Go get some rest, Bob. Be good, right? Thank Take you. There you go. Mitt Romney's going to win nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing anywhere. All right. 503-733-2970. How are you doing over there? Good. Get that look in your face like you were just sent something I know. Disturbing. My shoulder's just really killing me. No, and I got this. I just got this email from Richie saying, um, knock him out, audio attached. Oh, that's a Slick Rick song. Yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll listen to that later. Okay. Um, have you considered that maybe you're bowling wrong? Oh, I probably am. I think this actually, because I usually, I bowl with my right arm, so I think this might actually be I slept wrong. Ah. It hurts right. a little bit. It's weird how sleeping wrong it can actually mess up your arm so much. Oh, totally. It's a little unnerving. It feels like I pinched something. Every time I breathe, it's like a stabbing pain in my shoulder. Ah. That's, uh, that's like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth, who's a you know, brilliant guitar player, but actually had to retire from guitar playing for like a year and a half because he slept wrong one night and it cut off all the circulation to a nerve and his hand wouldn't work for like a year. Oh. Just like the next day, well, I'm... Can I go make myself some toast? And just arms swinging around like a piece of spaghetti. Couldn't work. And the doctor's like, yeah, it looks like you had that thousand to one, slept on it wrong, and now your arm is dead for a year. So, yeah, be careful with that. Mm. Uh, let's see here. Aaron has noted, by the way, that uh, apparently the, uh, the, the off-putting woman on the Clear Channel team yesterday, Aaron says that in the later parts of the evening, her own teammates were mortified by her, were apologizing for her, and uh, when she wasn't looking... I hope you're listening. When you weren't looking, your t you, apparently your teammates were apologizing for your behavior and then telling you to shut the f up. Huh. So there you go. Yeah, she. Yeah, she. I remember she went to Aaron. He wrote. That, they said that in the station. Like, what do you do for your crappy station? She's like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh god. All right. Well, maybe next time you can just have your bowling voice track from Tucson. Well, huh, you honey? know, what? I'm just glad that we got it over with, which yeah. means we never have to play her again. Uh, by the way, there's a bad joke, but I have to say it. Our good friend Aram uh, emails in and says, "Hey, at that vegan strip club, can I still treat women like meat?" Come on, that's funny. You know that's funny. You don't want to laugh, but you're laughing inside. It's a little amusing. All right. That's a chuckle is what that is. Not a guffaw. Not really a chortle. More of a chuckle. Okay. Uh, let's take a break. Come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth with the new news hour. Uh, later on, Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. Um, the hell else? Oh, uh, other notes about last night. Geek Watch, Snuff Watch, uh, tickets to see Rush. Uh, stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. We won't identify it, but Susan Reynolds came into the studio. She's like, I have to know who the woman from Clear Channel is that was being a whore. And um, and she we, knows. And we and we, and we, we told her we mentioned the person's first name. And Susan's like, Oh, I know who that is. And then Susan, of course, said, What did Susan say? She said, Well, she's always 
I've never seen that side Susan of Susan actually encourages Susan, like, let's out her on the air. Outer is being a bitch, and I said, well, no. Well, bowling brings out the worst in people. What's <laughs> supposed to be an evening of fun turns into another night of tragedy. <laughs> yes, Susan was like, let's call her out right now. I like how I was trying to be all like, I'm dumping the mention of her name, and she was like, let's take her to the mattresses now. Excellent. Well, it wouldn't have been one thing, but she's like insulting our station, too. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just mean. Oh. People yeah. have always been mean to us. That's what I'm saying. But we keep on living, don't we? Yes, we do. All respect. All right. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So, let's talk about uh, Super Tuesday. Super Fat Tuesday. Well, political junkies who cursed the legislature's refusal to move the state's presidential primary up to February... Well, now they think they were smart after all. You see, with uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama pretty much neck and neck, as far as the delegates go, oh, nobody can give us a straight answer because nobody really knows. Oregon could be the deciding factor in this yeah. horse race after oh. all. It's all very exciting. So, uh, let's see. Of course, there's no guarantee that Oregon will matter. Uh, some party <laughs> hacks suggest Pennsylvania's primary on April 22nd could be the new decisive date. And there's Texas, too, and then there's Ohio. Ohio? And uh, whatnot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's us. I really, really hope, though, that there's some sort of uh, statistical dead heat when they go into the convention, and then there's just going to be lawyers fighting over Florida and Michigan. That's, just, that's the best of all possible, uh, possible scenarios, in my opinion. And you know how long we have to wait till May? Who the hell ever decided to have an election in May? <laughs> I have no idea. It's either spring or fall, not May. I don't understand why. It, I, it, I think it's because, like, we over, like, Oregon overslept or something, and by, uh -huh. the time we, by the time we got to the picking place, May was all that was left in the sorting hat. You know what I mean? We put, it was put, the last pin left in the hat. <laughs> exactly. We put the put the hat on. May. Well, crap. All right. Which fine. one is Stetson? It's 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 like when you. I mean, it's it's like when you're the last guy to. Uh, it's like when you're the last guy to the potluck, and all that's left is some bad Jello with shredded carrots inside. So, like most states, Oregon's 30 Republican delegates are awarded on a winner-take-all basis. Yes. On the Democratic side, it's more complicated. Most of the states, 65 delegates are awarded proportionally. Yes. How did you know that? I know stuff. All right. I can't uh, know things. <laughs> like, I have even the, root, the basic rudiments of knowledge, and it stuns people. Well, no, this is very, no, uh, I mean, it's uh, intricate uh, details. That's okay. I'm that's not a, why I know you're a well-read person. I'm not smarty most of the time. Uh, no, I did know that, though. I did know that the, the Republicans, but it, when it, it makes sense when you think about it, right? Mm -hmm. the, w when you think of the Republican and Democratic mindsets, the Republican winner-take-all. You know, like if, you, if, if you're ahead at all on the Republican side, you take everything for your own and you share with no one. But if you're That's on the, what it's like working for Republicans, too. Exactly. But they if you're, can have theirs, but you can't have yours. But on the Democratic side, let's all share the delegates. But you didn't earn them. It doesn't matter. I get some anyway. Yeah. So the, it really is perfect. I mean, the Republicans, winner take all. Democrats, let's all divide it up among ourselves. So if I can't keep it all, then we're taking away your freedom. Yeah. Yes. So uh, so that's in May. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be weird. Boy, it was so great to, uh, just to see uh, Mitt Romney one step away from mental collapse last night. Just, I mean, I know he came in second. Everybody sort of makes it, but it doesn't really matter because it's like he, he can never close. Well, Huckabee is uh, going to be the running mate, yeah. I think. Yeah, he can. Romney can never close the distance. Uh, and Huckabee did so well in the South, he almost is the presumptive vice presidential nominee at this point. So, and Romney's going to get the boot right in the junk. That's what he's going to get. 
fantastic. And then I guess I didn't see this because I can't bring myself to watch Sean Hannity. Not because he makes me angry, but just because he's a big blockheaded snooze. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but apparently, apparently, Stephen told me last night that Hannity was, I guess, just doing everything but weeping like a child, begging the Huckabee people to start voting for Romney. I don't under, and please don't take this as an invitation for everybody to call and weigh in like big party-oriented blather. But I just don't understand why everybody hates John McCain so much. I mean, I just don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand. So, I mean, you know, whatever. But apparently the, apparently the Republicans hate him, which makes it even more satisfying because not only, um, you know, do we have all this chaos happening on the Democratic side. I mean, why should the Democrats be the only side where things are yeah. just going to hell? So the Democrats have all this chaos happening, and then the Republicans are getting the It's so great when you consider the fact that, I mean, because this is just a primary, not the general election, that the Republicans are just screwing themselves. They, you know, John McCain is winning elections, and yet everybody is unhappy about it. So they are unhappy about who they themselves are voting for. It really is pretty wonderful to watch. So we'll get back to that in a few minutes. But first, there are more important things to talk about here on the local front. Somebody robbed Elmer's Pancake House on North 82nd. This is not right. This is where 82nd crosses I-84. They're looking for the suspect after the robbery was held uh, this morning. The suspect reportedly tied the manager up before taking off. Jesus. Apparently there's no uh, description available. Well, how are we supposed to find him? No. Just be looking for a guy. A Salem motorist is okay, but his 2006 Ford Escape is barely drivable after he ran into not one but an entire herd of elk as he was driving on Highway 18 near the Grand Ronde last night. Uh, one of the elk was hurt severely, couldn't walk. Uh, the rest of the herd disappeared into the woods. He That's... ran into a herd of elk? Yeah. Okay. Was the, he the wild animals came out of the he, woods? Was, was he drunk? It seems like elk could be smarter than that. I mean, just to run in front of a car. Well, probably if it was late at night. I guess. All right. In that neck of the woods, uh, that's next to the casino, which is Death Highway, Highway 18. <laughs> I remember every Friday afternoon, I I worked at this small radio station in that area, and we had to record our news because we didn't have a budget. Of course. And every Friday afternoon, as I was about to leave after recording news for the evening, somebody would be involved in a fatality in Highway 18, and I would have to start all over again. And I curse that road every Friday. You curse their death for impacting your news. Yes. My news is no longer timely, you bastard. All right. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> that really is the tragedy, that you had to go back and recut your news. I had opened the car door, and you hear that ding, 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 and all yeah. of a sudden you hear ambulances, and you get that call. <sighs> And we need you to come back and recut the uh, recut the five. Yeah, uh, driver who uh, struck and killed a coworker last summer has been sentenced to ten years in prison. This happened in McMinnville. Catalina Hernandez Pasquale uh, pled guilty in Yamal County Court to manslaughter, reckless driving, and hit and run. They found the body of a nursery worker on a rural road south of Dayton. These two had lived together in West Salem and worked together in a farm. Uh, the pair had gone drinking the night before. The body was found. Uh, Pascal uh, denied involvement initially, but later acknowledged uh, striking the man after the passenger had left the vehicle because of a disagreement. He then sped away after the dispute, but later decided to turn around. He was going about 70 when he suddenly spotted the man uh, standing in the middle of the road. Do you, ever, do you ever do this? When you're driving along a road late at night, and especially in Southeast, where people just walk into the road blindly and with abandon, I mean, it really is amazing that everybody in Southeast hasn't hit somebody with their car by now, because, mm-hmm. like, I'll be driving up Powell, and it's always just some jackass, uh, you know, pseudo homeless kid, and he'll and just standing. Uh, let me let me also say this. Here's a. I'm not saying they deserve to be hit with a car. That would be wrong. But let me talk about some folks who. I'm not saying it, it, I don't advocate it, but I would understand how it might happen. 
Was it Cleveland High School? Is that the one that was locked down yesterday? Yes, near the Motel Sin. That high school, which is on Powell and 26th, Jesus, that high school, it, it's like a prison without walls. Yes, that's true. I was okay. That's good. I was gonna go. Uh, I was gonna go zoo without fences. But yeah, prison without walls. That that uh, high school in the morning and in the afternoon reminds me of that sequence of the movie Halloween, where Loomis gets to the hospital and all the patients are just milling around in the road. That's what it looks like, man. Just people wandering around, standing in the street. And I'm not trying to be some young hooligan punks in my day. It's not that. It's just, standing in the road doesn't make you edgy or you know. It, it just makes and you dumb. You're just dumb. I mean, hi, the, the students, and, and I don't think this is at all high schools. I think it's confined just to that one. The students at Cleveland just stand in the road. I mean, just standing there for no reason. And so I really am amazed that I haven't hit somebody on that street by now. And the singles are everybody in Portland. But do you ever do this where you're driving along a street late at night, and you, and you sort of become aware like at certain parts of your brain that like, Jesus, if somebody were to walk in front of my car right now, I'd completely kill them. What would I do if that happened? Would I stop? Well, there's a street right there. I could probably take a right and go to that car wash. You know, and you just start to and you, you start to wonder how would I handle that situation? I would say I hit a deer. It, see? But I think they can test for that now. That's the thing. I think the DNA will tell them that it's that it's, you know, that it's a, oh, I see. Yeah. Maybe this. Okay, no, no, no. How about this? Not that I would do that, mind you. No, no, no. But no, no. Of course not. I'm saying, but oh, theoretically, deer. Three, theoretically speaking, I probably hit a person before a deer if given the choice. If you had to choose, like a lady or the tiger, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, no, maybe you're, what you do, what you do is this. Maybe have, maybe have some deer blood just like saved somewhere, like in a jar. Then you hit a person, deer blood goes over it. What happened? You wash your car, put on the deer blood. Hey, what's that dent in your car? Get a deer. Test it, if you don't believe me. So, as you've been driving up Powell, you, it, it's just amazing the number of people who are begging to be hit by a car. Hawthorne is the same way. Hawthorne and 39th. People outside that Hawthorne Theater, it's like it's like they want to end the night with some sort of a fractured tibia. It's just amazing. Right. Then a woman falls headfirst into a knife and lives. This lady lives in Battleground. There was a bizarre accident. Left the woman with a knife stuck deep into her head. <laughs> it is so amazing that she actually survived. I'm not afraid of dying, said Mary, who's 72. She was uh, pulling weeds at her home in Battleground when she <laughs> set the knife down with the blade up. Bad move. <laughs> then tripped when she went to turn around, landing right oh, into the knife. What part of her head? My head there. The picture there. Oh, really? Oh! I have a better one, too. Oh, my God. This is Mary's head. Mary, no, there's no, there's no rhyme there. Um, uh, when you said fell into a knife, I thought maybe I don't mean to be gross, but I thought maybe parallel to the side of her skull, like you know, just kind of she underneath. There was no pain at all. Just underneath the little skin, you know. Under, well, your brain doesn't have any pain receptors, although your ear does. It looks like it went right in her ear. Oh God, really? Well, I thought. I'm not trying to be gross, but I thought it went parallel like this, maybe, and just kind of you know, under the yeah. skin a little bit. No, like no, no. Between the skin and through. the skull? Yeah, between the skin and the skull. Exactly. No, this went like, ching, arrow through the head. Okay, let me see. Okay, you got to look at the x-ray. Do you have a better one, Tim? But look at that, Sarah. Yeah, this one here. Check that out. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. How did that happen? This is an even better one. Never put the knife blade up for, all, for just a second. Okay, but this. Okay, but these two x-rays make it look... I'm sorry. I this is a K2 if you want to see it. KATU.com. Her name is um Mary Townsend. Mary Townsend. Jesus. Oh man. Okay, but I mean Mhm. 
There was oh. barely any bleeding. Her eyeball was untouched. But look at this. This makes it look like it went in from the front. Well, that makes more sense because it looked at first like Jesus. she fell off to the side and it went in her ear. So it's like it went in directly next to one of her eyes. Oh. All the way into her skull. Did she call 911? Apparently so. Her husband wasn't home. Oh. Ugh. Do you ever... Okay. Now, I know I sound like the world's most paranoid was person. Untouched. Yeah. Did you ever do this, though? Are you ever walking around the kitchen with a knife, and then in your head you somehow fast-forward to some accident where you trip and fall on it? No. I mean, I'm, I'm always I'm, very careful of how I hold knives, always. I'm afraid of the garbage disposal, though. Really? Yep. See, I'm afraid of it. See, I'm not afraid of the garbage. I mean, I don't go sticking my hand in there. Uh, but I'm... See, can I, ask, can I ask you this question about the garbage disposal? Yes. Do you suppose that... I'm not saying it'd be good for your hand, but I mean... Do you suppose that the danger the garbage disposal poses to your hand is overstated? I'm not saying it would be good for your hand. Ugh, I'm not but, I mean, it's not like it's razor sharp, is it? No, it has uh, metal things that move around. It has little, like, mini knives. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, I'm sure you probably go, ow, and you pull your hand out. It might be a little, your hand be a little torn up a little bit, but, I mean, you're just begging for phone calls, aren't you? Yeah, well, that's not the good, I suppose. That, that's probably, that probably happened. That's not the reason I'm asking. But, I mean, I'm in other words... I think people think of a garbage disposal being basically full of little knives. Uh -huh. But I don't think that's the case. Like, I think if your hand was down there and it got turned on, you'd go, wow, and you pull it back. And you might have some little cuts on your hand. I don't think it would, like... It might have a pulling mechanism, though, because it pulls the food down. I don't think that's true, though. I don't think it pulls the food down. I think, I think what happens is, A, there's a drain, so the water goes down and pulls a lot of the food with it. And also, think of it this way. If there's like a celery stalk in the garbage disposal, mm -hmm. I think as the bottom is sort of gradually ground away, it just sinks down there. I don't think it pulls the food, though. So when you're in the kitchen, you worry about something terrible happening to you sometimes? Well, Tim worries about the garbage disposal. I'm very careful with knives. My dad actually taught me that. And I worked in kitchens also when I was a teenager. And so I'm very careful. I hold the blade away from me, and I hold it I hold it at arm's length, too. I don't hold it like right next to my stomach. Right. Like I hold the blade way out there. But sometimes I'm walking along in the kitchen, and in my head... It's like I think in my head I somehow I dream these horrible outcomes like if I slip in a puddle on the floor in the kitchen that what I didn't notice was there. I'm the sous chef here. Oh, you were, I, uh, I didn't know I was being set up. Oh, you're a terrible fiance, woman. Who I won't be marrying this weekend because I'm about to be in a terrible accident. But really, I should have cleaned up the grease over there, and they should never put the deep fryer so. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. Oh, you're an awful person. And that's somewhere on my webpage. I didn't know I was being set up. I walked right into that. I really thought I'm like, kitchen accidents? Come on. I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. Well, here's an unlabeled call. What do you, do you suppose it's about garbage disposal? Maybe. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yep. Hey, it is about garbage disposal. Yes. Yes. And I, 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 I'm a drain technician. I work on these things all the time. And they create some pretty... I've seen a guy get his hand chopped in there, and you don't just pull it back out. Once it's got you, it's got you. Now, let's, are we talking about a regular uh, home garbage disposal, or are you talking about like a serious kitchen, like a, like a, like a restaurant garbage disposal? No, just a, a regular garbage disposal. It, it, it's got... So let's wait, say that wait. Tim is at home in his kitchen. Let's say right. that Tim's hand, I mean, just for the sake of argument, Tim's hand is down at the bottom of the garbage disposal, his dog, McGee, jumps up on the counter chasing a bumblebee. His tail flicks the on switch. Garbage disposal turns on while Tim's hand is down there fiddling around with a lemon rind. What happens? It gets ground up with the lemon rind. But, I mean, when you say ground up... 
when I it turned into hamburger. Couldn't he just pull? It, but I mean, couldn't he pull it out? Well, it it, uh, it it creates a suction like a vacuum in there, and if your hand is in there, it seals up and it pulls down at the same time. Now, I'm not saying that's not true, because clearly you're a man who knows more about this than I do, but I mean, I don't understand how that works. Like, let's assume there's no water in it. I, I, I don't understand how it would create, like, a vacuum suction. Like, what? how would it even do that? That rubber piece, that rubber piece that's around the, the drain The part, little flappy things, yeah. Right. That will suck to your arm, and it will create a suction, and the blades are spinning so fast in there that it creates a suction it'll pull down so it, so it lowers the pressure inside because of the spinning of the right. blades and then your hand is stuck in there right. you, in your opinion will it just take off the skin or could it actually d disassemble no, the bone they have garbage disposal called bone crunchers <laughs> tim do you have a bone cruncher is that they, they, they literally have bone <laughs> crunchers. i think mine's a ge <laughs> the, I, 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 the I, I, bone I, I, cruncher from ge, GE. <laughs> i've had customers that have you know they said well it says it can grind up to this and they shove a whole ham hock down there and <laughs> trying to grind everything up. And then hock. they wonder why all their crap is all clogged up and spewing out all this greasy crap. And I don't think there are many ham hocks in my garbage. <laughs> <laughs> ham hock is a funny word. All ham right. Yeah. All have right. a good day. Thank Bye, you. Everybody. Bye. The Bone Cruncher. GE brings good things to death. Ham hock is funny. Is there a funnier food that you can think of right now than ham hock? I mean, come on. Kumquat. Well, kumquat is pretty funny. Yeah. But I mean, ham hock. Ham hock is pretty good. Yeah. I think so. I knew a girl in high school who got called ham hock. <laughs> I forgot all about that until just now. Hey, ham hock. <laughs> it's pretty still, still funny now. Kids, don't let anybody tell you it's not funny to call people names. It's hilarious if you pick the right name. It is. Ham hock. She wasn't even fat, but I, get, I bet she became fat at one point because what's the point? You already got you already got the name. Might as well go with it. Let's do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Is this about hey, Rick, is how's this, it going? It's good. Is this about bone crunching, sir? No, actually, I wanted to just give you a little uh, story about relating to something yesterday, if that's all right. Well, why not? All right, you know the Motel Six, the infamous uh, Motel Six over there. Yes, the infamous Motel Six. Well, that's where I had stayed when me and my girlfriend came up here looking for a place to reside from Eugene. <laughs> and uh, you know how they. It's not that funny. Oh, uh, it's, you know, you're wrong. I, I was laughing more at the, uh, the the ham hock there. Yeah. But anyways, uh, you know how they ask for your ID because you got to show that now to get the room and sure. whatnot. They needed to uh, see my girlfriend's ID as well and ask me several times if I was sure she wasn't a prostitute. <laughs> and she doesn't dress, I mean, believe me. I was just going to say, is your girlfriend hot and sort of slutty? Well, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wanted to hear your reaction and the pause when you went, well. No, I mean, but, like, prostitutes wouldn't have ID? I mean, like, what does that even, I don't even understand. <laughs> well, the thing I don't understand is uh, she, she dresses... <laughs> Conservatively, I would say, I guess, for the generation so that she, I'm from. That's that a good point. I mean, so maybe they... So, so you is should it like have, a prostitute stamp that you get on your ID? Seriously, is it like is that like when Does you go to a club that? and they put an X on your hand so you can't drink? Or they, they give you like a prostitute, you know, mark or something? That's funny. And they asked you several times. Like, you well, might was, be unclear about whether she was a hooker or not. Yeah, and then they wanted to see our tattoos. It went from there to... It's a quaint conversation. Of course. Now, you're sure she's not a whore? Are you sure, sir? Where did you meet her? That's pretty funny. All right. Did you end up living in Southeast? 
We did. Of course, after that introduction, who could say no? Sweet, sweet life. <laughs> after who can turn down that neighborhood after after such a stunning overture? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Great show. Thank you. That's a that's a great call right there. Are you sure it's not a hooker? Come on. All right. That's wonderful. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, attention, uh, Christians. The Lenten season begins today. This is Ash Wednesday. It is the time for reflection and penitence. Oh, penitence. Uh, uh, penitence. According to, uh, Father John of, uh, the Church of, uh, Florida. <laughs> Father John of the, the Church. It's when people practice that season and when they, they reflect upon what that means and they really apply it to their lives. Is that then, church yes, in any course, town uh, USA? Preparing for any event, uh, helps the event to be more significant. So go ahead and, uh, put some ashes on your forehead as you're instructed to do so by, uh, Father John of any church of any town USA. Uh, let's see. We're not going to talk about politics yet. We should talk about uh, Keith Ledger. His death of an accidental overdose of painkillers, sleeping pills, anti-anxiety medication, other illegal drugs, and all done by prescription. Uh, the cause of death was acute intoxication by the combined effects of... Oh, my God. I'm not even going to try to pronounce half of these. Well, there were several of them. Multiple sil- syllable words, and please don't take them. The drugs are the generic names of the painkiller Oxycontin, the anti-anxiety drugs Valium and Xanax, and the sleeping aids, Rusterol and Unisom. And uh, let's see. Well, Unisom is an over-the-counter thing, I thought. I thought Unisom was like Somonex and Nitol and all that crap. I don't know. All right. Anyway, that's that's what killed him. So, well, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, be a jerk about it, but, I mean, really, don't take fistfuls of different kinds of pills all at once. Just don't do that. I mean, really, honestly. And it seems like if he was taking, especially, here's the thing, like Valium and Xanax, take Maybe Valium or Xanax. Xanax or Valium. One or the other. You don't really need to take both of those. That, that That's a belt and suspenders kind of a thing you're doing there. Just pick one, not six. All right. Well, he's he's dead. So much for him. Yeah. Let's do a uh, regular snuff watch. Here's your uh, regular snuff watch uh, for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. The Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the guru of the Beatles back when they took drugs, who introduced the West to transcendental meditation, has died at his home in the Dutch town of Blopdrop. He was uh, 91 years old. He died peacefully at 7 p.m. sharp, said a spokeswoman for the uh, the Yogi man. Uh, his death appeared to be due to natural causes, mainly his age. Once dismissed as hippie mysticism, a Hindu practice Once of, dismissed as, Yeah, not now. The Hindu practice of mind control that the yogi taught, called uh, transcendental meditation, gradually gained a medical respectability. He began teaching TM, as it was called, in 1955, and brought the technique to the U.S. in 1959. But the movement uh, really took off after the Beatles visited him in India in 1968, although he had a falling out with the rock stars when they discovered that they were using drugs at his Himalayan retreat. With the help of celebrities, a Hindu language title for Great Seer, that's the Mitsubishi's title, uh, he parlayed his interpretations of ancient scripture into a multi-million dollar global empire. He taught for 50 years. He turned to larger themes and grand designs, uh, grand designs to harness the power of group meditation uh, to create world peace. Did, here's the thing about this guy. Is the immortal lesson that the Maharishi... He wanted to banish poverty on earth. That's always a waste of anyone's time. <laughs> really? Did you see that stupid interview with the... God, it was like a... God, where, where was it I read this? 
It was, it was like the... It, God, I can't remember where I read this this article about the Dalai Lama, um, who was speaking at USC or something to a, an audience of overprivileged white people, as he always does. And somebody stood up in the audience, and some you know empty-headed co-ed stood up. What do we do? How are we going to get rid of poverty? And he kind of looks up, and he sort of gives that vacuous, like, I'm not really all that bright smile. And I swear to you, his answer was sharing. And then and there was like this long pause where everybody wondered if it was could, trying to figure out if it was really smart or really stupid. And then they thought they would just sort of play it safe, and they all stood up and gave him a standing ovation. The, here's the thing about the Maharishi. Mm-hmm. The, thing, the eternal lesson of the Maharishi and the Beatles is, and this is a thing that people have, <laughs> I told you, um, have, uh, have discovered, and they have just they've used this ever since then, that if you find a bunch of people who have earned like millions and millions of dollars that maybe they secretly feel they didn't deserve, um, and then they feel guilty about it, you can then get like 10% of their millions and millions of dollars by making them feel about the pampered, feel good about the pampered life they lead. That's the whole thing. Because I think if you talk to, I think Dr. Drew would tell you the same thing. If you talk to anybody who deals with celebrities, celebrities all in their head secretly feel that they are like fakes and frauds and don't deserve it, and they're all paranoid about the fact that all of their fame is going to go away any day. And you know, and they sit around their house, and, the, and the, you know, they look at you like. I think Britney Spears is, you know, the same thing mm-hmm. to contribute anything. Where she sits there, and she knows in her head that she really doesn't deserve like the seven hundred billion dollars she's got, and so she just starts to have a nervous breakdown about feeling like a fraud and being afraid that her entire lifestyle is going to vanish one day. And so you swoop in and you take advantage of young celebrities who are pampered and neurotic, uh, and then they give you like twenty percent of their income. So you know. So whether it's uh, you know John Lennon or Tom Cruise, uh, there's there's always an organization that will make you feel better about your neuroses for just a small piece of the action. By the way, it should be noted about the Maharishi, uh, John Lennon eventually told him to get stuffed and to go f himself. Uh, and the only person who continued to follow the Maharishi was George Harrison, who nobody really cared about all that much anyway. So they owe Mike Love from the Beach Boys, which should tell you all you need to know. Crazy people, I tell you. Exactly. Well, he's dead. Yes, he's dead. There you go. Dead, dead, freaking dead. It's a little late, but a guy sent us a poem about the woman with the knife. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How the hell did you get that carving knife in your skull? Mary? Okay. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, Central Florida man is hospitalized after accidentally shooting himself while walking his dog in a busy roadway. <laughs> The shooting occurred to an unidentified man who had a concealed weapon permit to carry a 32 caliber handgun strolling along a road. Always a good idea. Where did this happen? In uh, Palm Bay, Florida. Damn it. I thought I was going to get you. I thought you were distracted by something else. He nope. said he brought his gun with him for the dog walk because he didn't feel safe. He was embarrassed about shooting himself. He doesn't face <laughs> As anyone would be. Uh, Alcatraz is safe on the wrecking ball. Voters in San Francisco have rejected a proposal that would have demolished the famed prison and replaced it with a global peace center. What kind of ridiculous idea is that? You know? A global peace center? <laughs> it's a prison. <laughs> a prison's a prison. Uh, the, a the global measure... peace center. A global peace center. What is a global peace center even You release doves out of a cage? 
I mean, flop around? Really? And then just harp music plays in the background or something? 72% of voters said no, no, no well, to they, the idea. You know, they know where their bread's buttered. i got to tell well, you. Well, the, the island of San Francisco's second most popular tourist attraction after, after the, the cable cars. Oh, really? I thought it would be the Golden Gate Bridge. Nope. It draws uh, 1.4 million visitors a year. You know, uh, the thing I regret about the last time, or the only time I went to San Francisco, I did not have time to take the Zodiac Tour, which I was really sad about. There was a great Zodiac Tour, and I wasn't able to take it uh, because it came down to either that or Alcatraz. So I did Alcatraz, which is, you know, I think I made the wise choice. And by the way, if, you, if you're planning on going to San Francisco and want to go to Alcatraz, Please, you're oh. going to book at least a month, oh. if not more in advance. Did you really just say if you're going to San Francisco? Yes, I did. Oh, be sure, be sure to book your tour at least a month in advance. Um, now you're dating yourself because half the audience doesn't know what you're talking about. That's fine. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Some of the jokes are some of the jokes are 90% jokes. Some of them are five. Uh, nonetheless, that, that was the music. Yes, it was. And I didn't know that came out of my mouth until after it was gone. Anywho, the uh, yeah, no, the Alcatraz thing is it's insane. You got to, I mean, Lara, God bless her, because uh, that was that trip where I didn't know where we were going until we got to the airport. It was like she sprang. It was like a, it was like a mystery vacation. And you have good, better, or best Alcatraz tours? Uh, we took the best. We did best Alcatraz. We, I've learned I learned long ago uh, that you never do, uh, you never cheap out on that. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. If you cheap out on it, they will always, like if you tour somewhere and you don't do the best package you can afford, they will always dangle the thing that you're missing out on right in front of you before shunting you back to the mainland, and then the rich people get to go off and do the cool thing. So even if you have to like sacrifice or skimp elsewhere, do the full on like the best tour pack. Like we went to we went to Loch Ness. So you go to Loch Ness, and you you, you get to tour, uh, you know whatever, uh, you know the, you get to wander around and look at a museum and whatever, and then you go out on a boat and you get to go out on a boat on Loch Ness onto the loch, which is you know it's really cool. Um, and then the the uh, the more the most expensive package, which is the one that we went for, uh, you get to go and tour a castle, like an act, like not a fake sort of plaster of Paris castle, um, but like an actual real you know castle from you know castle times. Castle times. I was just gonna say that. Um, but on the boat, but they mix you all in together, meaning we all get on the boat, but only some of you get to go to the castle. So, like, Laura and I had bought the castle package. So, they pull up to the shore, and they're like, look at this wonderful castle with parapets and portcullises and whatever. Okay, you five people get to get off. Everyone else, back to the, back to the mainland. And and so, as the boat was, you could see the people on the boat who hadn't bought the castle package, like, sort of looking longingly at Urquhart Castle uh, as we got up the tour. So, always go for the best tour. Um, Alcatraz is great. The, um, I didn't get to see the Golden Gate Bridge, actually, though, when I was there, and I kind of regret that. I've driven across it. But it's huge, though. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's a huge. dumb over, you know, oversimplification, but, I mean, it's massive. Mm-hmm. So Alcatraz is great. They know where their bread is buttered. They know that people go there, and they want to see a gigantic prison. Um, I cannot overstate how cool Alcatraz was, though. It was really amazing. It's so cool, you can't even really get your head around it. I mean, it's... It really is difficult to comprehend what you're seeing sometimes. It's one of those tours that you almost feel like you need to see it twice, like once and then about six months later again, so your brain can kind of process everything you're seeing, especially if you're a big nerd like me. And, you know, I grew up watching uh, all of those Escape from Alcatraz movies and Alcatraz, the whole shocking story starring Telly Savalas. Uh, and then you just see it in real life. It's just uh, it's astounding. Global Peace Center. That's the sort of thing that would only fly, though. In, in... It didn't even fly there. <laughs> Global. You just know there would have been a Ben and Jerry's inside there, too. 
Uh, well, this is, is not a country for a global peace center. No, really. Of all of them. No, no, no that's true. I mean, the, the, the most, and especially now in 2008, just, it's ill-advised. Uh, well, you know, my, my favorite thing about what uh, Romney said during his speech last night, he said three times that we're a nation at peace. He has no idea that there's a war going on. That's when he wasn't busy saying values, uh, which he said, he said values and he said economy uh, each like 700 times. But apparently he's totally oblivious that we have a couple of wars going oh, on. Yeah. No, there's no, no. He, he there's and no, I'm looking for the sound button. I can't find it. They removed it. Of him saying peace. Yeah, that we're a nation at peace, yeah. and we want to keep it that way. Uh, let's see here. Well, we've got homeless guy hit by car, garbage disposal, or something getting cut. Hmm. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Me, th me, this is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Hey. uh... But I've seen, uh, I'm a construction worker. Yeah. And one of the things there is uh, that people don't mention is that when you, I've seen a lot of, you know, people get cut. But when people get their hands, like, in a power tool or something like that, the reaction is almost um, superhuman getting their your hand out of there. And, um, like, a, not too long ago, about two weeks ago, one of my guys got his hand, he touched the saw blade uh, on a table saw. Oh, with what part of his hand? With his finger, and it barely nicked him. And that's, you know what, gloves. Always wear gloves yeah. when you're working with power tools. But, uh, told, um, you know, they, you always, you just, you yank your hand out of there. Oh. And another thing I want to talk about on, the, on a different note, yes. um, the politics thing. Um, people talk about how they, we need, like, these parties. We need, like, multiple parties, more, more than two parties. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of thinking about that logically that can't happen because if, the majority rules. Then doesn't the one of the winner doesn't the winner have to get at least fifty one percent to be the majority? You mean in terms of like the the election this fall? Well, you go to countries like Mexico where they have yeah. like fifty parties. Yeah. And and it's a massive mess. That's not a country. And then they well, you're right. I, <laughs> I agree with you. But um, it's more like Gresham, I think. But, um, they, you get these guys that are getting voted into office that are like they're getting ten percent of the vote, but it's the mo they they're the winner because they get the most a plurality. Well, well, you know, it is people don't really realize it, but if you look at the ballot for president, like anyway, you know, in America, uh, there's you know, there's like fifty different parties. It's just mostly we've never heard of. I mean, there's the you know there's the Republicans and Democrats, and there's the Libertarian Party, and there's the Socialist Party, and there's the Green Party, and there was the American Nationalist Party, I think at one point, which was like Nazis or something. Well, and, so, the, we, and way back then, there was the Federalists and yeah, all. The, you know, the Whigs. The Whigs are my favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, we've still got that. It's just that, yeah, it, it really has become, you know, there is Coke and there's Pepsi, and then you've got your RC and your Jolt and your whatever. I, just, so. I, don't, I disagree with that entirely. I think that it uh, should maintain a two-party system. That way... The majority rules. I think every single person should have to be in a different political party. I think every, really, I think every single person who runs for office should have to create their own party, their own name, and their own logo from scratch. That's great. And I've then, already got mine. I, mine's Mr. Janky. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Good. Oh, Rick, one yeah. last thing. Uh-huh. Um, I've been listening to you guys since you came on the air two years ago. Yes, I moved, sir. I moved here in February, I think, right before you guys came on. Mm -hmm. And I'm leaving in, in three weeks, and I'm going... Back home to Colorado. Why? Um, because it's better there. Um, no, that's a terrible thing to say. What part of Colorado? Colorado Springs. What's better about it specifically? Oh, the economy, the crime rate, the fact that the cost of living isn't um, so far above the uh, actual amount of money that you can make. 
Uh, you can buy homes there. And uh, I asked you. The, the, the crime here is the most fun thing about living here. I, I was think. going to say, you think all the free entertainment you're going to miss out on. And that's isn't that exactly why you guys like rush home after work? Exactly. In a fort. <laughs> it's the no. running the gauntlet must be. <laughs> me, me, I, I'm a slower paced guy. You know, I like a mountain. I like a mountain bike. I like being in the mountains. But um, I'm going to miss you guys. I'm going to be. I'll catch you guys on the podcast and. Yeah, you know, best show ever. Best All right. talk show I've ever heard. All right, thank you, my friend. Travel safe. I will. All right, bye now. All bye, right, Rick. There you go. Bye. I, it's funny, I realized when I asked him that, that regardless of what he said, I really was going to have no response because I know nothing about Colorado. So I have no I have no choice but to take his word for it. By the way, uh, you will, while you're there, be able to listen to the Catfish and Mudflap show in the morning, though, and I'm not making that up. Catfish and Mudflap? I told you that story. There's a There's a woman... Um, I won't give her name, but there's a woman I used to work with. Is, is she the catfish or the mudflap? No, she doesn't work on the catfish and mudflap show, but she, it's a woman I used to work with. is one of the smartest people I've ever known, mm-hmm. and we were talking about radio, and I think at one point one of the gigs she was offered was to be, like, sidekick on the catfish and mudflap show. And she, she's like, oh, no, thank you. Um, let's see here. Um, all right. I've got something kind of – this might be kind of funny. We have to take a break. I've got something kind of funny. Sarah, do you have the um, – the Howard Dean scream. Oh yes. Now I haven't pre, I haven't tried this bit in advance. Like we haven't tested this, but somebody suggested. I think his name is Steve who suggested this. Let me see if I can get this to play. And this this may be one of those bits that we just have to pull the record on. This is my network. It's a network thing. Um, see if I can get this to. So uh, chances are it's not going to work. Well, we'll see. It's reliant on bandwidth, yeah. and anything that is sort of. All right. Is that some kind of wonderful... Should I just go whenever I'm ready? No, no, no. I think you know. I think you know what I'm talking about. Somebody suggested that this might be funny. This I don't, some I, kind of wonderful... Grand it sounds, does sound like that, doesn't it? Or is this rock and roll part it one is, or two? It's rock and roll part two. How, oh, yeah. How many parts to this song are there? Is there rock and roll part like nine? I don't think so. Have you ever heard that song by Gary Glitter? Who... I know he's, what do you call it, a pedophile. <laughs> but he did some great. Have you ever heard that song, um, I Love You, Love Me, Love? Oh, it's, it's the best song ever. So you, he was kind of like, I what, know you love me, love? I Love You, Love Me, Love. Uh, it's one of the best Wait, pop here? rock and roll. <laughs> okay, that's genius. You gotta drop your level just a little bit there. We'll do it one more time through and then we'll take a break. Oh man. Go on forever. I love technology. It's amazing this song became so popular when there's this song there's really nothing to this. It doesn't really even exist. It's, this song is I think about three notes, one drum beat, and I think a single word. Alright, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Back after this, genius. All right. Rick, this email says, I don't even care that Howard Dean isn't running. That scream makes me makes me remember why I loved him so. Thank you. He said, we all know Howard the Madman Dean is the only president with the stones to lead America through the zombie apocalypse. That is true, sir. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's get this call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hey, that must be me, isn't it? Yes, it is. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey. I was calling because I had a friend who was a 911 dispatcher who uh, accidentally hit a guy with a car. So, wait, the dispatcher hit a homeless guy with the car? Not while he was at work. Not while no. <laughs> The homeless people are all safe when, when they're at work. Yes. He was driving down Sandy, which is like, you know, two or four lanes each way. Yeah. Sandy, man, let's just talk for a second. Sandy's so confusing. Sandy sucks, and I, I mean, it is, and I mean, it is, I'm not even. It's not like I'm just moved here or something. I mean, Sandy, I don't care how long you've lived here. That street makes no sense. And if you're coming up Burnside, heading, you know, you're going east on Burnside, and you get to that Sandy Burnside exchange split thing by Everyday Music, and I swear to you, I, I still, I still never pick the right lane, never. And I've been doing it for 12 years, and I still pick the wrong lane every, every time. Yep. Anyway, Andy sucks. So, so he okay. was driving along, yes. and this this guy in the in the scroungy looking overcoat yes. just appears in front of his his sixty two Dodge Dart. That's what you don't want to be hit by a Dodge Dart. No, it didn't have a dent on it. Uh, well, of course, no. That's one of those old cars that's just made made out of steel in America, and yep. uh, you hit you hit somebody with that, and it's just not gonna. Yeah, no. There's, there's, you just hose that thing off, and you take it out at you five minutes later. Well, the guy went bump, and my friend bump. saw his face uh. right up on the windshield with, you know, the big eyeballs, uh-huh. and bloop, up over the top. And he, of course, stopped and looked around, and the guy scuttled away. Well, of course, the homeless can't be killed. That's the thing. The, you know, I mean, if you were to bump into, like, uh, you know, if you were to bump into, like, you know, family of five or something, immediately they would somehow all be dead. You hit a homeless guy full speed, they just get up, grab their shopping cart, waddle away off into the horizon. Well, and then all the people that were nearby, they all come running over to my friend going, are you okay? Is your car okay? Did you get <laughs> your, your car? Is your car okay? Did, did the nasty homeless man hurt your windshield? Well, the guy apparently had a, that's what he did. All day long, day in, day out, he'd steal stuff on one side of Sandy, and then when they started chasing him, he'd dart across the street, and no sane person would follow him. Of course, right. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's how you weed out the man from chasing you. Yeah, Excellent. yeah. All right. And, Finally, he was all freaked out. He didn't get anybody, any witnesses, names and numbers, and he thought, ooh, maybe I should. The only people he could find were a couple of uh, of prostitutes who were upstairs <laughs> on a neighboring building. So he got, he gets their numbers, saying, oh, yeah, I saw everything. You're getting a prostitute to defend your word against that of a homeless man. God, I love oh. Southeast Portland. All right, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Bye now. There you go. That's wonderful. Oh, by the way, I made this note to myself last night. This is my Campbell Brown note. 9.57 p.m. Campbell Brown has no upper lip. Dan Bozick agrees with me, by the way. Um... Camel Brown on CNN has no... It's not that she's unattractive. It's just that her upper lip isn't there. Um, she has, The lower lip is perfectly fine. Upper lip, gone. And so she does that thing of putting a lot of lipstick on whatever, like her upper mouth hole, just trying, <laughs> trying to make it look like it's a lip, but it doesn't really work. Because if at any point... Like, it's fine as long as she's sort of sitting there with her mouth closed. But if at any point she's talking, or especially if she's making a lot of vowel sounds, and it, it, does, it doesn't help matters... That her upper row of teeth, they're not so much teeth as it is like one big tooth. It's like she has a dental guard or something on, like one big sort of big white thing in her upper... So anyway, so just try not to be distracted uh, by that, because once you notice it, it just sort of bug you forever. Here's Tim Riley. Campbell Brown and her lips. Campbell Brown, well, lip. Uh, she, uh, there's only the one. Mm-hmm. Again, she's not a bad-looking woman. It's just that upper, that upper lip just isn't even there. She's a good-looking one-lip woman. Yeah. Yes, she is, Tim. Yes, she is. To all you East Coasters, today marks a big anniversary. Who remembers 1978? It was the great blizzard of 78. Up to 55 inches of snow fell for 33 hours. So what happened, for everybody at work, your employee let you go home early, only to be stuck on the freeways of New England 
Uh, cars were abandoned there. Some 3,000 cars were abandoned and buried in the snow. People had to be uh, rescued by cross-country skiers. Otherwise, they had spent quite a few nights in the car. And uh, what a mess. There was flooding along the uh, the coast. Some houses, lots of them, up and down the east coast, ended up in the ocean. The uh, blizzard of 78 uh, gave birth to a tradition known as bread and milk runs. This is when your neighbors asked if you need bread or milk because there was a... There were food riots over bread and milk. Really? Yeah. I don't remember anything about that. Well, you're on the east, on the east coast. Uh, it snowed for 33 hours. And what happens, what, employers told their employees to go home only to be stuck on the highway. And so like, so they would have been better off staying at work. Right. Yeah. And I, I just happened to be stuck in a radio station. And the window was about four feet up, and I noticed the snow burying the window all the way up, and I was stuck inside for like two days. That happened to me one time. That happened to me when I was working in Spokane. There was a blizzard in Spokane. Mm-hmm. Not this bad, but it was... It wasn't it wasn't this bad because simply because there isn't the same population, but it was the same thing where people were like, Screw this, I gotta get out of here. And everybody and, and so as bad move. Yeah, no, a bad move and you would see all over the city there were cars abandoned in the street where people like the cars would get stuck in the ice, in the slush, and finally we were like, F it, I'm gonna walk and Spokane's not like the hugest place. So you could conceivably get out of your car and walk home, but then for days yeah. uh there were cars because then the ice would melt ever so slightly and then refreeze. And so there were cars locked in place all over the road and not like pulled off to the side. Mm-hmm. Like cars stopped in the middle of the lane or angled across two lanes and then frozen and locked into place. I'm same thing you just I was just so I'm at work and there were these angled windows right uh-huh. outside the station and I remember looking out and it was slowly hour by hour, it's slowly going up until you can no longer see outside. Ex- there was a moment when I could no longer see out the radio station windows because the snow had it hadn't covered the entire building but it had covered the windows. You couldn't open the front door because there was so much snow piled against it because there was nobody getting there to shovel it out. So there was the weight of the snow against the door meant you couldn't push the door outward and you didn't want to open the other door that opened inward. Because then snow would just begin to pour in the back door. And so there was me and one other guy, and this is before Duopoly, so we were the only station in the building. Uh, Me and one other guy, and we had to work alternating shifts Mm -hmm. uh, for, I think, a day and a half. Yep. Something like that. And 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 when that was done, finally when the day and a half was done, I still then had to walk home. Uh, because I couldn't either. My car wouldn't work, so... We, we were so lucky because we had the honor snack oh, yeah. in the kitchen. You remember? I don't even think they oh, yeah. have those anymore. Do they still have honor boxes? Probably not. I don't, people no are just honest with that now. No one is... The honor has left this country. Um, You're on your honor to put your coins in this little box, and they had several snacks. I, can, I just, can I confess something now? You stole from the honor snack. <laughs> Yes. You are dishonorable. I I have repeatedly stolen from the honor snack. Oh, no. In my life. It's because of people like you. I have, That's why the honor <laughs> is me. I'm the reason. You bought this honor to the honor snack. <laughs> you bring ribbons of shame. Um, I have. Yes, I have. It's me. I'm the reason there's no longer an honor snack. <laughs> I'm sorry, people of America. I confess. Yes, it was I. And it was always to steal these little, um, they weren't even Almond Joys. They were like sub-Almond Joys. It was like, it wasn't even Almond and Joy. It was sort of like an almond vaguely warm well, feeling. in goods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two musketeers. <laughs> M&Ns. <laughs> no, there was, it was like an Almond Joy, but like not from Leaf or whatever that company was. It was like from, you know, Bob Choco Hut. Um, and so, Sarah, do you remember the Honor Box, the Honor Snack? 
No, no, I don't think so. Sarah, I always oh. drew, grew up in a dishonorable time. No, you've never it's, known. It's, it's because of you. Because of me. That there was no more Thank honor you, Rick. snack. The honor snack was... <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. I'm but sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, ever so I can finally get it off but, my chest. Uh, but I was so thankful that we had that during the blizzard because we couldn't get outside of the station. No, of course not. You didn't want to you have to eat the morning. Guy. And, and we were, we were we were on the coast. We were in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and, and being along the coast of New England, it got hit worse because all these houses uh, just went away into the ocean. Oh, Jesus! And what what caused the houses to go into the ocean? Well, the tide would come up and just pull them off, and then the rocks. Would, of course, the beaches of New England. Uh, there are rocks. And they're not a gentle slope down like the no, West no. Coast. It's like a cliff. Right. And it, it just plunges it, over. And my own house, uh, it was about four days later. The only reason why I could get in was somebody had dug like an igloo to get to the front door. Yeah. Because the snow was so high, there was no way. You couldn't go over it. You had no, to go through it. You had to go through it. Jesus. So and that was a 78. And you know what's so scary about storms like that is, is that... It, it, once the storm is done, you're still no better off because it's so cold that snow takes forever to melt. Yeah. I remember one or two really, really bad, and people think of deserts as being hot all the time, but they're really cold in the winter. I remember in Kennewick, one winter in Kennewick, it was so bad, and it was so much snow and so cold that literally it was in like, Jesus, I want to say it was like in May, there were still not lots of snow, but still little piles of snow around town you would mm -hmm. see every now and again, simply because the snow had been so high that it took months for it to be consistently warm enough to melt it all away. Jesus. Man, and then, of course, really floods. When it, and then, of course, when the snow starts to melt, then it's just like rivers of mud everywhere. Ugh. Yeah, in my house, my rental at that time was in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, and the main coastal road, they lost like half of it into the ocean, and all the rocks that held it up also went through it, too. Jesus. It was really something. No, the, so the honor snack, though, for anybody who wonders... This will make the story even better and make you look at me with even more shame. But I'm not surprised. No, that I stole? Are you not surprised that people stole? Or are no. you not surprised that I stole? Be honest. Well, we've known each other for many, many years. You? And we, we know you expect that... the worst of me. No, I, I know that we all pay our dues. <laughs> and, just... and there are certain things that push us to the limit. We all pay our dues. We just don't pay for the... <laughs> right. We don't pay for candy <laughs> or for small cra crackery things with peanut butter type spread between them. Um, no, the honor snack was this thing where it was, um, um, at least the one that I always saw, it was like a, like a set of cardboard shelves. It was sort of like cardboard shelves. Like imagine a spice rack made out of cardboard. Like maybe a two-tiered spice rack. Uh, with uh, deep shelves made out of cardboard. And the deal is, it, it was just all the stuff you'd normally find in the vending machine. Chips or small candies or crackers or breath mints or what have and you. And then there was always the office joker who put something in there that really didn't belong there. Uh, like like toothbrush. Candy pants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get in trouble for doing that in an office now, but back then, yeah, totally. it, was, it was fine. Not a problem. <laughs> candy pants, $1.50. What? What shall I do with these wacky penis ice cube trays? Exactly. Um, the, but, so, you, so it was like a cardboard spice rack, and all of this snack food was sitting on it. And then at the top of, this, at the, top of the cardboard spice rack was just a little um, coin box. And the deal is, it was an honor system where you would take, you would take a packet of chips, and if the, if the packet of chips was 25 cents, you were just expected to be honorable. And if you took a packet of chips, you would put a quarter in the coin box. That's the deal. So it was basically like a vending machine. Except, imagine if the vending machine in the kitchen was just 
open, and there was just a box where they asked you to leave money when you took something. And so, of course... And the box was accessible. The box was not locked. There was no. no way to lock the box. It was cardboard. Yeah. No, it was just like a cardboard box with a, with with like a slot. A, it was like a cardboard piggy bank. It didn't give change, though. You needed exact no. change. And so the deal was they would just ask you to take candy, and when you took candy or whatever, just to be honorable and leave the right amount of money in the box on top. And that sort of thing is just inviting abuse from people like me. Not so much now, but it, then. Back then. Uh, th- yeah, back it then. Like it's a setup for disappointment. I just no. If somebody's I... going to let you down, then you won't know who it okay, is. Okay, can I? Can I be? Well, really... at least we know it's you. Can I be? Can I be really, really? Can I be really honest about something? Sure. Oh, at this, what else at this, did you no, no, no. Feel? At this particular workplace, can I? Do, and I don't know that I'm solely to blame for this. <laughs> you are in management here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> this was many years ago. Many years at another place. This was in no, another time. And I'm, I'm being serious. When is the last time you saw an honor box? Thanks to me, they're gone. I mean, it was a long time ago. The blizzard of 78. Can I, can I tell you this? What? this? I don't know that I am solely to blame, but at this particular place where I did work many, many, many years ago, um, the honor box was, was so misused that they just flat out took it away. They well, flat, that's, what, that's what happens at every place. Yeah, they, One person doesn't, all of a sudden, everybody's dishonest. Yeah, because and it can't just have been me, because it's not like I was cleaning it out. <laughs> it's not like I was just picking it up and dumping it into the trunk of my car. Who tries to say rationally? <laughs> After much thought. I, I say, I know it couldn't have just been, it couldn't have been only me. <laughs> I say it's de- true I am one of the culprits, but I can't possibly be the only Desperately one. Desperately trying to rationalize my crime. If you're listening to KCMD Portland. The first day of Lent. <laughs> Anywho, but I'm assuming there must have been other people in the building because I can't, I, I can't imagine that, that I... Because don't you figure that they just assume a certain amount of loss? Would you imagine that with the, when the honor snack? That they just... Because at, at, at like at uh, retail stores, don't you think that they they um they they factor in, don't they, into their budgets a certain amount of as they call it loss? Mm-hmm. Because they have those guys loss prevention, which is really a security guard to keep you from walking with like a TV in your pants. And you but you got to figure in a, in a in a retail store's budget, like at a Woolworths or something, they must factor that into the yearly budget. How much they expect to either be, let's say, damaged or you know that doesn't work, defective merchandise if you're from the factory, and then stuff that's stolen. I would imagine if you if you got to look take a real good honest look at Walmart's budget for example, Walmart factors in every year like let's say maybe a percent and a half or two percent of of profits that they're going to lose to shoplifting. Oh my God! It's an honor snack. It still exists. And in Southern California, the theft capital of the world. Sarah, come look at this honor snack over here. This is exactly what it was. And there was just a little coin slot. I don't see the slot on here though. No, that must be the deluxe model. But so. The prices are there, and you would just take whatever you wanted, and then there was a little coin box, and you would just be relied upon honorably to leave the right amount of money. Interesting. So, they, But they must know that every office has, like, I can't have been the, the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I only did it sporadically. I feel so bad now. Okay, the, the box is in the back. Okay. Jesus. To prevent you from thinking about it before you reach over the snack. <laughs> Boy, prices have really gone up. <laughs> I wonder what's caused that. <laughs> oh, I'm a terrible person. Can I just tell you this though? Here's here. Okay, now Tim. Now, now we all, we can all agree it was wrong for me to steal from the honor snack. It was. It was, and I'm not. I I recognize that. I acknowledge that out in front of Jesus and everyone. 
We don't promote you as a role model for children. No, no, in no way do we do that. No, F no. Um, no, I do acknowledge it was wrong for me to steal from the honor snack. But what, what say you about this, Tim? Here's another true story. Uh, um, at, I think it might have been the same radio station when they took the honor <laughs> snack away. They brought in a vending machine, but it was like, even then, it was like an old-ass vending machine. Like, it was... It, do you know you know all those vending machines? Like, they had one at the coin tower where it was... Um, not like here where the spring turns and the chips fall. It was like there are little plastic windows. You know, like you open. It was like, oh, a, yeah, like an yeah. automat. Uh-huh. And it was a vending machine where you would press a button and the carousel inside would turn and show you the various food items. And then you'd stop it and there were little, like 10 or 12 little plastic windows in the front of the vending machine. Like old sandwich. Exactly. Where's rotten egg? <laughs> Wilty salad, A3. I'm uh, really starving. I'd like the soft boiled egg. <laughs> the choices are like food that people would not normally eat. B7, this is just nothing but mustard packets. Um. But but then you would open the front. You would slide open these little windows and reach in and get the snack. So at this vending machine, though, we uh, realized at one point that the carousel inside would turn. But as you were turning it, if you let go of the button, like let's say half a second after the item you want lined up with the window, there were two different items that would line up with the window simultaneously. Oh. So you could open one window... And take out two items. So I, at the time, my friend of mine, who I will not name, I don't want to drag him into this, his whole rationalization was, well, they should have built a better machine. (laughs) They should have designed it better. And so his whole thing was that that was simply, he was simply uh, using the machine. He wasn't altering the machine. He wasn't damaging the machine. He wasn't... um, you know, like he was wobbling it to get the food to fall out. He simply noted that, look, the way the, he was using the machine properly, he simply noted that when you let go of the button a little late, two food items at once would be accessible for your one, you know, for your one purchase of 50 cents or whatever. And so he felt that his moral conscience, he was, his conscience was, conscience was clear with all things. His conscience felt, he was, you know, thought, you know, he said, my moral compass is pointing north, but I have no problem with that. So that's a little bit of a gray area. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that in retrospect. Jesus. All right. Sorry for wasting everybody's time with my honor snack discussion. I thought that was interesting. It is interesting, actually. I wonder if anybody. I bet. I wonder if some of these people are calling to tell honor us. snack calls. I want. I'm wondering if there are honor snacks still in use, like here. Uh, or, well, let's find out. Let's see if these people are calling about the honor snack. Hi. Hello, Rick Emerson. Show. Hi, Rick. Hi. I'm yeah. fine. First of all, now that I've got all that guilt snacks. off my chest, yes. <laughs> there are honor snacks still around, as you found out. Um, I used to be in retail loss prevention for a long time. Uh-huh. And your um, uh, rumination about they must figure in loss is absolutely correct, only in the retail world it's called shrink. Shrink. Really? Shrink. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. And so, and that is figured in. And as a matter of fact, I used to uh, catch shoplifters and dishonest employees for Walmart for fun and profit for a long time ago. And so, this, and so how much do you suppose they figure in? In other words, is there like a dollar amount or percentage they figure that they're going to lose? It it will be a percentage. And shrink overall is not just to theft, of course, but it's to breakage and uh, mismarkings on prices, all of that. Okay. You know, and uh, a company the size of Walmart figures 20%. All right. So 20%, really? 20% of... We're talking about Walmart. 
Jesus. Yeah, million. Yeah. So that's 20% of what, though? Uh, it would be their uh, out of their profit revenue. So, in other words, if ideally they had $100 worth of goods in the store to sell, they would only really ever make $80. Yep. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. All right. Thank you, sir. Sure thing. There you go. Loss prevent. I'm sorry. Well, considering they offer no benefits, <laughs> they do everything they can to screw their employees. Man, there's a little karmic wheel that turns somewhere. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, we actually have one of those little snack things where I work, too. And the funny thing about it is where the coin thing is, I mean, not only are people stealing the snacks out of it, but the top of the cardboard where the coin thing is just all torn apart, too, where they're actually taking the money Someone out of it. Someone has stolen the coins out of the <laughs> coin box. Yeah. See, even I never did that. Even in my darkest, lowest moments, <laughs> even when I felt, even when I was just, like, looking at my bank account and there were just moths and dust in it, I never stole money from the honor box. That's, well, that's, that's no, see, that's, I draw a moral distinction there. <laughs> I'll take a package of peanuts. I'm not taking 50 cents out of the out of the honor snack box. And then you were talking about the vending machines. That reminded me of my best date ever. I went to uh, Seaside to this girl I've been dating about two weeks. I like where this date is starting already. So you're yeah. in Seaside. And we went into a, a restaurant lounge, and we both went in to use the restroom. Uh -huh. And I came out. And she's on her knees in front of the cigarette machine with her arms in it up to the elbow, pulling out packs of cigarettes. <laughs> Where did you meet this girl? Uh, I don't know. Remember, some bar downtown Portland. <laughs> that is such a great image. I wish for, for all the world, I wish there was a photograph of that. Her yeah, on her knees in front of the vending machine. Of cell phone with cameras. How did she discover... In other words, was the machine broken, or did she just realize that she could stick her arms up there and grab cigarettes, and had she just figured it out, or is that a thing she did every time she went to a place where there was a cigarette machine? Um, I really don't know. I think I think maybe her pack got stuck or something. I mean, what was your to response to that? Like, what did you? How did you deal with that when you saw her on her knees with her arms <laughs> in the vending machine? Uh, I just walked right by her, went and sat down at the table, and then uh, shortly after we went home, and that was the end of that. I figured it would sort itself out. All yeah. right. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. You know, now that I think about it, there is a whole discussion to be had here, maybe not here, but in general somewhere, about vending machine sort of tricks, because I remember going to high school. There was this vending machine in the gym at high school when I would go to my loathsome P.E. class every day. Um which is just like a living, breathing hell, you know, in many other ways. So I'm there in, in the stupid locker room, which just smells like, you know, like an old sock. And uh, anyway, and there was this vending machine that sold Strawberry Crush, which for a long time was my favorite beverage. They have that on the East Coast? Crush? Never heard. Crush, yeah, but not Strawberry. They had Crush is an orange drink. Really yeah, good. Crush is originally an orange drink, but they then extended the brand. There was a Strawberry Crush, which nope. was my favorite for a while. So when I was a kid, I drank a lot of I drank a lot of Strawberry Crush. But this this uh, this machine in the locker room, uh, a friend of mine figured out that if you just um, his whole thing was that you know there's all the but the buttons the A through F and then like one through zero. He figured out at some point that if you just like punched the buttons long enough and hard enough, that it like overloaded the circuitry or the computer, and the computer eventually just gave up and went like, all right, have, have a soda. Like, it was just like it could, like, if you, it was just so much data that if you just, like, randomly, like, smashed your hand on the buttons for, like, two minutes. I mean, during which you probably could have just asked somebody for 50 cents. 
But if you just, like, mashed your hand on the control panel for, like, 120 seconds, eventually the machine would just yield, and it would just become fatigued with you and just give you a soda to make you go away. That was a glorious discovery, let me tell you that. Oh, all right. Um, by the way, this email says, Rick. Rick, the only honor boxes I've seen are usually to raise money for gimpy blind kids or some other sort of children's charity. Kudos to you, good man. Well done. Yes, thank you. Thanks, appreciate that. Um, Richie apparently wants it known that you can... I don't even know what this means. Richie says, you know, you can get free soda out of a machine using a water weenie. <laughs> First of all, and secondly, I don't even... Never mind. All right, one more, and then we're going to move on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, Sarah, Tim, Jesse from Red Hot Pistol. Of course it is. Backslash store. Yes? Yeah. Uh, so the water weenie thing. The, uh, <laughs> what, really? Right. When I was uh, when I was in high school, you could take just a regular sport water bottle, like the big liter size, yeah. the sport top, and you put hot water and salt in it, and you squirt it in the dollar slot. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the machine starts freaking out, and you got to get a piece of wood and press all the buttons, because if you don't, you electrocute yourself. But you do that, and then every soda in the thing will fall out. We used to drive around to gas stations that had like that weren't you know closed at night, and just fill our trunks with like hundreds of soda. But like and the really crappy sodas too, you know. No. You get everything. Yeah. I mean, you have Fago. Jesus, how would you even figure that out? I uh, I don't know. What I combination of activities? Of yeah, but I mean, how? How would this ever be discovered that if you shot warm salt water into the dollar bill slot and then used a piece of wood to press the buttons? <laughs> well, Why can't you just press the buttons with your hand? He says it would electrocute you. Well, I learned that the hard way. You, you, you did it exactly. It wasn't very much fun. But, I mean, the squirting warm salt water into the dollar bill dispenser, Who? how was that discovered? Um, I, a girl, a girl, a friend of mine, she told me... She actually showed us how to do it, and then we just kind of went through the town and took all the sodas that there were to offer. Girls the problem was, at the end of the, you know, we drink all the all the sodas that we liked, but then we had a refrigerator full of, like, country-time lemonade that nobody would ever touch. Like those bottles of tonic water in a motel room vending machine. Exactly. Hey, Rick, you ever notice that when you laugh, like, when you really laugh hard, you sound like uh, that part in Uncle Buck when the, the, the girl's boyfriend comes up to the window and uh, starts... <laughs> You ever hear of a tune-up? Yeah. <laughs> you ever hear of a ritual killing? <laughs> I hadn't really noticed that, but now I'll be self-conscious about it. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Get out of my head. Yourself. All right, bye. Jesus. Oh, my God. I'll have to try that later. That really is funny. Well, and, it, you know, that's in the day. One of the weekenders is going to try that here, you know. That's it. That's in the days before the Internet, though. Because in the, you know, the days before the Internet, that just had to spread mouth-to-mouth. People had to tell people. People telling people. Now, it's like you go on YouTube and there's... All those videos, like, here's how you jimmy a lock using only some bubble gum, you know, or whatever. So, Jesus, that's like that one time in high, that's like in high school how all of the kids, and this is like a generational thing, but this is how all of the kids discovered you could use either a, a hair comb, like a comb for your hair, uh, or a, a pen to play track and field. Uh, and then, like, by the, by the next summer, all of the machines had those little, like, uh, guards around the buttons so you couldn't do it anymore. You know what I'm talking about. Here's Tim Riley. I don't know what I can possibly the say to beat thing. that last I call. It's amazing that someone came up with that. I mean, what combination of things must they have tried before somebody said, okay, what if we take warm salt water and jam it into the, do jam it into the dollar bill machine and then use a piece of wood to hammer the buttons? Mm -hmm. 
And I love the idea of them just driving around town, like filling up one car trunk after another with soda that they know they will never drink. Oh, to be young. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, the White House said waterboarding is fine and it is legal. It is not torture. It's also fun, apparently. Mm -hmm. So that came out of them today. Okay. A middle school student in suburban Detroit is being treated for burns after his Sony PSP video game system exploded and caught fire in his pocket. Emergency officials in uh, Farmington Hills say the toy overheated. The boy suffered burns to his legs and was taken to an area hospital. Investigators are working to determine just what caused the Sony PSP to catch fire. Uh, Hollywood high rollers aren't immune from the nation's real estate woes. Forbes says home sales in Los Angeles in December last year were down 48%. Prices were down 11%. One realtor says owners are trying to sell homes in the 3 to $6 million range, and they're having trouble. April Levine has reduced the price of her house in Beverly Hills by more than a million dollars to $5.8 million. Former Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash is uh, litigating over real estate. He is suing his former agent, claiming his house was, not, was neither as big or as private as his agent. Then why did he buy it? Did he go into the house? I'm, I'm suspecting he purchased this over the Internet or mm -hmm. something. Uh, Slash sold his home for a half billion dollars. That's the money he paid for it. And TV's Ed McMahon is having a tough time selling his Beverly Hills pet. Isn't that the one that had all the fungus in it? Yeah, no, the black mold that nearly killed him. Mm -hmm. Here's a house where I almost died. What am I bid for this home? His uh, price reduction is $2 million, but it's full of mold. So let's, uh, we haven't talked that much about the election this hour. Let's do that now. Let's do that now. Richie, I think we're going to move on from honor snack and squirting salt water into electronic machinery. As tempting as it is, I think we That's will... going to be made into a promo, I can tell you that. Buzz, we're looking at you. I think we'll move on from those calls, Richie. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, Senators John McCain and Hillary Clinton are taking the popular vote in California very seriously. Both spoke last night about their successes on Super Tuesday and what lies ahead. I'm as confident tonight as I have ever been that we can succeed in November by uniting our party. After seven years of a president who listens only to the special interests, you're ready for a president who brings your voice, your values, and your dreams to your White House. Uh, John McCain says he will always defend our nation. I have lived my adult life with one purpose greater than all others, to keep America safe from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and I will never tire of the honor. Uh, he will fight for all Americans. He will fight for all Americans. We are the captains of our fate. We can overcome any challenge as long as we keep our courage and stand by our principles. I intend to make my stand on those principles and trust in the judgment of the American people I serve. Always your first mistake, by the way. Yes. Uh, Southern score leader Mike Huckabee sees a lot of positives <laughs> in his performance on Super Tuesday. You know, we took some blows. Some people were saying we had pulled out of Florida when we didn't try to uh, sort of say our campaign was faltering. We never believed that it was. We were seeing record fundraising going on, record crowds, enthusiasm. I bet he's ready to climb some mountains. I've never known what it's like to start from the top. I've never been the favorite. I know what it's like to start uh, deep in the hole. And I also know what it uh, feels like to go from deep in the hole to the top of the mountain. He said that like four times last deep night, by the, the way. Deep in the hole to the top of the mountain. That's like one of his, uh, that's a focus group line. You can just tell. Uh, Hillary uh, looked really good last night. Uh, she does have, uh, her haircut does seem to be growing increasingly butch as the campaign goes on. Like, <laughs> sure, eventually she's just going to be Susan Powder. She was good. Uh, Barack was good, too. They both gave great speeches. 
Um, but you can really tell there's a difference where you, you can tell that everything she says, it's just been run through a hundred different sort of speech mills. Mm-hmm. Nine different guys have rewritten it. It's been dial tested in front of 14 different groups. It's all just there to like hit every hot button and to just not really offend anybody. Where Barack really does come out and he just swings for the fences. Like every speech is that. Every single speech Barack Obama gives is he's trying to the, the, the torch has been passed like every time you can tell he's trying to do that. Uh, then we have the ever delusional Mitt Romney, <laughs> who says he's going all the way. One thing that's clear is this campaign's going on. Yeah! No. He's ready to get his hands on Washington. It's time for the politicians to leave Washington and for we the people to take over. Oh, is is he we the people now? Uh, apparently, apparently he's no he longer. People. Apparently he's no longer. <laughs> apparently he's no longer a politician. God, him and his weird, creepy-looking family, Stepford White. You know his hair. It kind of freaks me out too. Every time I see Mitt Romney's hair, I mean, he he is the new. Uh, he's taken John Edwards' place as having the weirdest, most off-putting hair because it never moves. It's completely and totally immobile. So here's Obama uh, standing in front of one of his change signs. Again. This time must be different. This time we have to turn the page. This time we have to write a new chapter in American history. This time we have to seize the moment. Uh, there is a movement taking place. But there is one thing on this February night that we do not need the final results to know. Our time has come. He also predicts uh, that Republicans will have a dump truck full of dirt to unload on Hillary Clinton like they don't even know what that might be already, and we haven't heard it, so uh, we'll find out about it. You know, doesn't it seem likely to you that if the Republicans had anything in Hillary Clinton, they would have done it like in the last 15 years? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not that I, mean, I don't know there's much to come about Barack Obama. He's already copped to the fact that he did cocaine and smoked pot and was... That know, doesn't matter anymore. I'll lay about... But, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Really. I'm all for a president doing cocaine. You know, I don't want you sleeping, but you're staying up all night thinking about how to fix things. I have stolen from the honor snack. <laughs> no, I was... <laughs> what? What? That, what was that? Was apropos of nothing? Yes. Are you just going to inject that into all of my statements for the rest of the day? No, I'm I listen to Rick Emerson. He stole from the honor snack. That's <laughs> like a campaign. Rick Emerson, there'll be like a like a low um, keyboard note, and it'd be like a bad, grainy, black and white picture of me looking sinister. Rick Emerson stole from the honor snack. Can we trust him not to steal from America? Uh, anywho. So, no, I'm for whatever keeps the president awake and working. I don't know. If you want us to bring bags of meth right to the Oval Office, you let me know. I don't think you get to sleep for four years. You have to stay at the desk all day, all night, and work. So, there you go. Uh, one of Hollywood's biggest parties is off this year. The big wigs at Vanity Fair magazine have canceled their Oscar party for 2008 in response to the writers' strike. The magazine issued a statement saying, quote, in support of the writers and everybody else affected by the strike, we have decided not to have this because it would be inappropriate. The 80th annual Oscars are scheduled for February 24th at the Kodak Theater. Jesus, that's coming right up on us. Yeah, John Stewart is hosting this year, and it's going to be on ABC. That's if it happens, right? Yeah, if it happens. Now, if it doesn't, uh, if the strike is still going on, will Stewart still... Maybe I'll hand out the Oscars at a table. Well, he's still host, but it'll be like one of those stripped-down things like the Golden Globes were, where it's just like him talking in front of a green screen, and it's over in 20 minutes. I guess so. Because, I mean, as long as as long as long nothing had to be written, he could still host it, right? Right. Jesus, I didn't realize that was so... Uh, and they keep saying that they've, you know, well, we're close to a deal, but like they've been saying that for days now, which kind of leads me to believe it's not true. Yeah. Because it seems like they would have just, you know, they would have just done it by now. They would have closed it out. i got to tell you this. I really do believe... Uh, 
I, I don't know, but I, I, part of me does believe that the writers m- might actually just, if the studios won't give them everything they want, part of me believes that the writers will just buckle down and just absolutely demand that they keep striking through the Oscars to really screw the networks. Mm-hmm. It seems like, it, the, because everybody's so freaked out about the Oscars not happening, it seems that the writers might just decide that that's the best way to stick it to the studios by now, because they're so close to the Oscars anyway, with a few more weeks. So it seems like the writers might do that just to be like jerks about the whole thing. So we'll find out what happens with that. Exciting. Well, it, it's supposed to end any day now. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Uh, here's something for the ladies, uh, like ladies over 90. Uh, Tom Jones is reportedly <laughs> protecting one of his performance assets. The Daily Mirror says the veteran pop star has insured his chest hair with Lloyds of London with a policy worth $6.9 million. Okay, I really honestly have a question about that. Yes. I have a question about Tom Jones's uh, chest hair. Chest hair. Tom Jones, Sarah, do you know who Tom Jones is? Yes. He's like oh, a sexy do. singer guy, right? Yeah. Yes, he is. Okay. Mar- Marge Simpson loves him. He's saying it's not unusual. Also, uh, Kiss uh, and so forth. So here's the thing about that. Now, that is with Lloyds of London. Yes. Now, is Lloyds of London, they are, are they not the premier insurer of body parts? I would say so. Did they not insure, uh, where did, does it, Betty Grable had her legs insured? Oh, yeah, she, she did. Was that with Lloyds of London? I or believe so, else? yeah, that was Lloyds of London. Uh, Lloyds of London, uh, Betty Grable's legs insured. I do believe, I don't want to traffic in urban legends here, I think Lloyds of London also insured David Lee Roth's testicles. I'm pretty sure that he did that. Or maybe it was just that he had paternity insurance. One of those is true, but I don't know which one. It seems like... Does he still have the policy? It seems like, well, you know, Tony Randall had kids at 90, so it seems like that's a policy you don't let that last. Larry King has two young kids. Yes. So, I mean, it seems like a paternity insurance. You don't let that go. Is that where we are? You didn't sound too... No. It seems like with Diamond Dave, either of those things, or both of them, could be real. So, Dave apparently had either his testicles insured or he had paternity insurance. I also heard, and this is now see now maybe this was just an urban legend. This is a thing I always heard as a kid. As kid, oh my God, I just accidentally put that French vanilla creamer in my coffee. Good for you. Oh, try it. You can just add try some it excitement to your cup. life. I don't like excitement. You don't like things that are different. No. Try it. All right, fine. If you don't like it, dump it. Well, fine. I'll. Uh... That's what I say about the show <laughs> yeah. every day. Uh, all right, I'll try the French vanilla creamer, you bastards. All right. Um, but when I was a kid, we always heard that Dolly Parton had her bosoms insured. Uh, I heard with that too. Lloyd's, with Lloyd's of London. Mm-hmm. Now, but is that true? And here, and the larger question is: so this is now, where are you getting the story that Tom Jones insured his chest hair? The Daily Mirror. So that seems like it's probably reputable. Yeah. Because Lloyd's of London does, you know, they again they have done these weird things in the past, and it's for how much? Let's see here. It is six point nine million dollars. So here's my question: oh, I can smell that French vanilla already. It's good for you. Uh-huh. Uh My question then is, with any of these body part insurance policies, how does that work? So, like, if Tom Jones was in some, I don't know, if he had some accident or something and his chest hair was burned off, mm-hmm. do they have to give him $7 million? I believe so. Is it all of his chest hair, or is it just some of the chest hair? What if the chest hair isn't gone? What if something just happens to it? Like, what if it becomes albino chest hair? Or what if it's, uh, you know, what if it just stops growing in part of his body? Oh. What if... What if, you know, eh, so, uh, I mean, not to be morbid, but when Dolly Parton insured her bosoms, so what if she had some health problem and, uh, you know, it affected, affected one of her, uh, one of her, uh, you know, her whatnots, mm-hmm. one of her dirty pillows? Mm-hmm. Is that the sort of thing that they really, like, in other words, is it, a, is, it a, is it a real insurance policy that actually would ever have to be paid out on? I believe so, yes. 
I would. They, they wouldn't have been in business that long had it not been the truth. I mean, but unless it's just some sort of mutual stunt, like where they agreed to let their name be used in reference to David Lee Roth's testicles, and he agrees like to never actually make them pay out should something happen to one of them. I would love to see the paperwork on that. Like, I would love to be the lawyer who had to sit down and actually write up the language insuring David Lee Roth's genitals. Hmm. So, all right. I can smell your French vanilla from here. That's what I'm saying. It's, uh, it's very potent. Yes, it is. I'm feeling kind of unnerved about it. I don't like things that are different. Try it. All right, I'm going to try it right now. It's like dining at a Paris cafe. It's exactly like that. I feel like we're, we should be in one of those... What were those... What was those the, the coffee cover, the taster's choice, or the Nescafe coffee, where it's just Tim and I's hands, like tapping the Nescafe thing. What are you doing today? I'm going to the florist. Do you remember Jean-Baptiste in France? No, that was another, I'm confusing two different campaigns. What was the campaign where it was just the chicks talking about some waiter that they wanted to hump, like when they were in when they were in France? And then they, is that something from the 70s? No, I don't think they get away with it now. Oh my God! Did you see that commercial during the Super Bowl that was the, that was the Jack in the Box Jack guy at a swingers party? No, it was a funny. No. Oh my God! It was so great. Um, so one of the Super Bowl commercials, it's a hot tub, and it's in the 70s, and you can tell it's in the 70s because it's kind of got that washout look and the 70s music. And one of the other guys in the hot tub has like he looks like he's from Anchorman, like he's got the Brian Fantana hair and sideburns and big gold chains. So it's a couple, like a sleazy 70s couple, and then Jack, the Jack in the Box guy with the big ping pong ball head, and and another woman, and the other couple says to them, so. Do you guys like experimenting with new things? And then the guy gives them the whole, like, yeah, look. And then Jack says, what, like my double cheese, you know, bako phantasmatter, you know, or whatever the new hamburger is? And the, and, you know, and the other couple goes, well, or that, you know, or something like that. It clearly is like a wife-swapping joke about a guy who has a huge ping-pong head and a pointy conical <laughs> nose. Oh, here's somebody who knows about Tom Jones's chest hair. Well, I drink this French vanilla coffee. Hello, sir. Good coffee? Uh, I don't know. Go ahead and we'll find out. Oh, oh. No, I had a point about uh, what you were asking about the insurance. Uh, what I was wondering is, is that uh, sort of euphemistic, euphemistically saying that uh, Jones's obligations, if he were, say, in a car accident, his obligations could be to the tune of, say, $7 million. You know what I mean? Like, uh, no. if he didn't show up for work for a year, he's on the hook for this much, or he should be paid this much because X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? No, not at all. Not in any uh, way. I was just wondering, like, if there's a real world you were asking, is is that just a number? Is that just a game? Well, first of all, how does one playing? decide how much one's chest hair is worth? Like, did exactly. he come up with that? In other words, are you saying that the well, chest... Well, what I'm asking is, yeah, I'm asking is, like, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, he's insured for 7.2 million. You're asking if that's his yearly income, basically. Yeah, is that perhaps a real world of his obligations, or or you know what I mean? Like, uh, in other words, yeah. if he believes that his uh, that his entertainment and his career is uh, in some way dependent upon his appearance, and if his appearance largely consists of chest hair and big fuzzy uh, hair on his head, that he would then be on the hook for seven million if he was unable to perform because ladies no longer wanted to see him because he was there without his chest hair. Well, I just wonder if there's a real world correlation at all, or if it's just something they'll sort of do, like you know, when the city lets you buy a house for a dollar. Well, that's what I'm saying. See, this, this is really this really goes to the heart of it. Is when someone insure, like when Betty Grable insures her legs with Lloyd's of London, is that like when you get the key to the city that actually does nothing? It's just sort of there, so you and the city both get some attention, but like you don't yeah. really ever expect to be able to use it for anything. Getting attention, I think, is the thing. Yeah. Lloyd's loves it because it's always getting their name. I should insure my mouth or something. I should insure, uh, 
We should do something. Okay. They'd probably pick up the phone at least to talk to you about it. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. But did you see Ari Fleischer on CNN last night? Yeah. Yes, he didn't I did. have glasses first. I didn't recognize him. No, he doesn't he seem a lot happier since he's no longer having to peddle lies from, yeah. behind, the, from behind the presidential podium. He doesn't have to think up every word before he <laughs> says it. He's no longer out there going, well, no, President Bush continues to be firmly in charge of the situation, and we are bringing freedom to Iraq and being pelted with roses. Like, he doesn't, mm-hmm. he just seems like there's such a weight off of him. You know, CNN, can I just say this? You know, I, people accuse me of just being a party loyalist here because we have CNN people on the show all the time. CNN, though, really has... They were getting schooled the last couple of years by Fox. I'll give you know I'll give Fox that. Fox was really uh, drinking their milkshake. Well, the they didn't have enough years. angry white men on there. Well, but what CNN has done though, they have really carved out a niche. And as much as people like to believe that they're liberal, I don't think they really are. What CNN has started to do, CNN has this really clever strategy where they have people who are very clearly partisan one way or the other. But when those people come on, they just analyze everything in a sort of very objective, real politics sense. So you have Ari Fleischer, who's obviously very hardcore Republican, and then you have, like, uh, Paul, Paul Begala. Yeah, he's very hardcore liberal, who actually works for Hillary Clinton. But both of them do just an objective overview. It is very much like uh, when you have John Madden now commenting on, like, a Raiders game. You know, Madden used to be, you know, Madden used to coach the Raiders for a long time. But, you know, when John Madden does, uh, you know, when John Madden does, you know, does commentary on a Raiders game now, he obviously doesn't have any vested interest in it. You know, he used to, you know, he has a loyalty problem to the, probably to them, like, in his heart somehow. But he does a very objective assessment of the situation. That that sort of is how CNN has started to do it, which is which is really good. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll, uh, we should break here so we don't get behind. I have an escapade commercial, but I'm not sure if it's the right one or not. Really? Well, let's find out. My pot up. I love it already. Let's have another cup of coffee. Yes, let's have a cup of Nescafe. The instant coffee with that fresh roasted flavor. Mmm-hmm. In a cup of coffee, it's the flavor that counts. And Nescafe instant coffee will satisfy your coffee hunger because it gives you the flavor of freshly roasted coffee in every cup you make. It's real coffee, all coffee, nothing but coffee, made from premium quality coffee beans roasted to perfection to give you that wonderful fresh roasted flavor, the flavor you'd expect from the world's most experienced maker of instant coffee. So to satisfy your coffee hunger, buy Nescafe instant coffee. And tomorrow morning, say, let's have another cup of coffee. Yes, let's have a cup of Nescafe. The instant coffee with that fresh roasted flavor. I was going to say that it's sort of an American thing, that only in America would we take a product that is really relatively easy to make. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like making coffee is all that hard. I mean, it, it, what about gum? I mean, there have been huge advertising campaigns about choosing a gum to chew. <laughs> like, it's really one of like, your more crucial life decisions. Oh, my God. But, I mean... Just like regular, real, high-quality coffee. I mean, even if you want gourmet coffee, it's not that hard to make. You go to the store, you say, hey, give me some Stumptown. They, they grind it up, they put it in the bag. You wake up, you, you put it in the coffee pot, you hit start. Do we have breaking news? Uh, we might. Okay, hold on. We've got to find it. Hold on, let me, uh, I'm gonna forward let me just finish this thought then. Making, making coffee is really easy. Only in America. And would we take a product that is both good, inexpensive, and easy to make, and then decide that we have to have, like, an inferior version of it that costs more. All right, are we uh, going to Tim Riley? Breaking news now. Oh, damn it. You know, every time we play this theme, I hope. (laughs) Don't don't tease me. 
love this song. Here's Tim Riley. Breaking news, Britney Spears has just been released from the psychiatric ward of UCLA oh, Medical on. Center. According to the LA Times, Spears slipped quietly out compared to the massive fanfare that went on the night she came in. Law enforcement officials say the hospital let her go because she was no longer required to stay there after 11.30 a.m. So let me, uh, so that according to the L.A. Times. Once again, Britney Spears, the L.A. Times reports, has been released from UCLA Medical Center. This happened at 11.30 this morning. Now let's check with the L.A. Times. I'm so torn with emotion about this whole thing. A... Uh, I got to the thing where I got to pull up a chair. Hold on. Hey, Richie, can you uh, drop Skin a call and let him know that we're going to get him? Uh, we're just it is unclear where she has later. gone. I uh, This after nearly a week of treatment. Okay, but yeah, I wonder where she is. I thought she had to stay for 14 days. It says she, only has, it says. Yeah, she only has to stay when she's a danger. They can only hold her when she's a danger to herself or others. Uh, how is it that she's no longer magically a, a danger to herself? I mean, honestly, uh, I'm all angry private, about it. A private security detail escorted her in contrast to last week. When there are more than a dozen LAPD officers. I swear. So I, it's private security this time. The LAPD said they took that step after increasingly aggressive tactics by paparazzi have forced them to take costly precautions. Authorities said she was heading home before seeking additional treatment. So, well, two things. One... I mean, I, again, I'm just so my, I'm so divided here. Uh, on the one hand, I'm glad she's out because now it means more entertainment for us. Because let's be honest, when she's in lockdown, it, you know, she can't show off her vagina or shave anything. Uh, and if she does, we won't see it. So, on the one hand, I'm glad she's out because now she can continue to go crazy in public. On the other hand, it, it, it just seems like like BS. I mean, in other, and I don't mean that in the sense of like I'm pissed off about it, but I mean it just seems ro- incorrect because. They're making such a huge deal about it, about well, how dangerous she was yeah, and everything. Seriously, how is it that she's somehow just magically no longer a threat to anybody? It seems like you cannot simultaneously claim that she's deeply disturbed and manic and bipolar and, you know, using methamphetamine and crazy and gravely disordered and cannot provide even basic clothing, food or shelter for herself. And then simultaneously claim that, like, after a couple of days of just, you know, like taking a nap, uh, that she's okay to be released and just be wandering around. It seems like one of those things is true. They cannot both be correct. And don't forget the grand theft report filed by Spears' father, Jamie, after the singer was taken to the hospital. The theft alleges that paintings, jewelry, and other valuables were taken from her daughter's Coldwater Canyon home. Boy, you know, that guy bugs me, her dad. That guy, I don't know, he doesn't bug me as much as her mom does. Uh, but what that guy just did, he chaps my hide is what he does. He looks like somebody from Southeast. He just likes, he, uh, he just seems like such a skeezy opportunist. I mean, not that anybody else in the family is any better, mm-hmm. but... Um, all right, so the late, so she's is she at home? Does it say they don't know where she was heading? But private security came in this time because too many people were complaining about the LAPD and, well, and how much money it cost the last time to do that. It seems like unless they snuck her out, it, but even then, it seems like she can't be at home because you got to know her home is staked out by the paparazzi. Mm-hmm. You got to know that there's press all around mm-hmm. her house. And unless, let me ask you this: Are you surprised? And maybe they have, and I don't know about it. If you were a celebrity, wouldn't you like? And I'm serious about this: Wouldn't you completely build? It, like a tunnel out of your house, wouldn't like you a have? Bat cave? Yeah, totally. That's exactly what I'm saying. What? I wonder what, what sort of zoning regulations are required for that. Like there's, you, a, there's a pole to slide down behind the bookcase. Like a Shawshank tunnel. 
uh, where you you know yeah totally you like pull out the you pull out the book and it swings open and you go down. I mean, your theme song is playing. They're really I, if I was a celebrity, I would absolutely not only have secret rooms in my house, mm-hmm. which Hugh Hefner has in the uh, in the uh, the mansion. Um, I would have a secret tunnel that I could leave, and in the tunnel you just have a golf cart. You know, so you don't have to like, drive or walk the whole thing. You have a little golf cart, and then the tunnel lets you pop up, you know, like half a mile away, and it lets you come out of like, uh, you know, like a. And that way, you here's what you do: you find like a bookstore or somewhere, and then they just have one of those like, um, you know, like one of those little storage rooms in the back that has like a door that says like employees only, and the tunnel comes up inside that storage room. Every so often, you, know, you go down the tunnel, get a storage room out of the book out of the bookstore. I would totally do that. I, it seems like if you had the right money and the connections, you could probably, you know, you could get that done. I bet Dick Cheney has one. Oh, I would absolutely. I, I, well, you know, the rumor, you know, supposedly there is a tunnel. And this is referenced, this legend is referenced in the movie Day with Kevin Klein. Supposedly there is a tunnel uh, that goes from uh, the west wing of the White House uh, to, like, I don't know, to the middle of a park or something Idaho. somewhere. Yeah, to, to somewhere. It dumps you out in, like, in the middle of Washington, D.C. So, um, anyway. So, once again, in case you're just joining us, Britney Spears has been released from the psychiatric ward of UCLA Medical Center. Nobody's saying where she's going. LAPD was involved this time. They had private security whisking her away to some unknown location. It seems like she cannot possibly be at home because the press has just got to be swarming around that place. And any car that comes in or out uh, would be subject to, I would imagine, the, the scrutiny of a thousand prying eyes. We need to offer a bounty for her finding. Yeah, her safe finding. You know, just for finding her. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay, we take a break here. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, we'll have Mr. Skinner around the corner. More from Tim Riley. Rush tickets before the top of the hour. So uh, be listening for that. Rush tickets. Um, I think that's it. Okay, stay there. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's your Britain watch. It's true. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Apparently, there's more graphic photographs of this woman with a knife in her head. Click here to see more graphic photos, okay? Are you going to? Yes, I am. Right now. Am I going to? Of course. No, I'm going to click away. Uh, uh, Let's see here. All right, let's look. Um, well, that doesn't look so bad. That doesn't look... Wow! Wow. Hey, who wants to see these photos? Nope. Tim? I think I'll pass. Now, Sarah, would it make you feel any better about seeing these photos if I told you there's no blood? No, I just really don't have a desire to see them at all. Okay. Uh, I'm going to post them on my blog, though, for the many, many, many people who are interested in seeing this woman who fell onto a knife with her eye. And what's amazing about this, I understand your decision not to see them. Let me just, trust me when I tell you, it is stunning that the knife didn't even touch her eye. Because, really, have you ever put a contact lens in and then it somehow, like, goes around to the back? It is almost like that. I mean, it's like, it, it must be within millimeters of her eye. Jesus, you couldn't, if you could play horseshoes that well, I mean, 
All right. Anyway, uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Our good friend, Mr. Skin. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. We're a little late today. There's some breaking news. Oh, no problem news. at all. No problem at all. Nudity is good to talk about at any time. Well, it is so. a 24-hour business, my friend. <laughs> yes, it is. What's up in your world? Well, uh, the big movie opening in theaters this week is Fool's Gold, starring Kate Hudson. And uh, there is toplessness in this movie. Unfortunately, it's from Matthew McConaughey. It's a PG-13 film, and uh, there's a lot of advertisements showing Matthew and Kate, and she's going to be doing a lot of interviews, and many people out there are going to wonder if Kate Hudson has ever been new. Ah, and almost famous. You got it. An yeah. hour and ten minutes in. If they go to MrSkin.com or just ask you, Rick, uh, <laughs> you can find out that uh, uh, she has been naked. It's the scene where... She's dancing around in, in the open coat with no shirt or bra, on, and it's a it's a pretty cool scene. And uh, she hasn't done much skin wise, so uh, check it out. It's almost famous, the 2000 movie. No nudity in Fool's Gold, which opens in theaters this weekend. Excellent. All right. Now, uh, the Jodie Foster has a, a movie out on DVD this week called The Brave One. And 12 minutes in, there's a topless scene from Jodie's character, but. My uh, my skin scouts in the skin laboratories have determined that that is a body double. It is not her. You do not see the face with the body. So uh, really, there's no nudity because Jody, uh, uh, it, it's a body double. The movie's the brave one. That's a new release DVD I, this week. I can't imagine there's a lot of pent up desire to see Jody Foster take off all of clothes in a film at this point. Well. I no, but she's uh, she's still a big celeb. It is true. Big celebs nude. I'm reporting on it, so that's the thing. And uh, I wanted to mention. I don't know if you're a fan or you know about the TV show The L Word on Showtime. Yes. But this Sunday night they had a pretty amazing scene. For anyone out there, the show deals with women's issues. It's heavy on obviously the lesbian uh, theme. And it's one of those shows where uh, whether you like what they're talking about or not, you don't really need to know. It's just tune in for great nudity <laughs> on a weekly basis. You don't even need the sound half the time. But uh, last uh, Sunday night, it was amazing. Shane, uh, uh, one of the stars of the show, hooked up with this girl, Alicia Lee Willis, who people might know from American Heiress or General Hospital. She came on the show, and it was really one of the most amazing girl-girl scenes in uh so far in 08, and I'm I'm very uh, I have a feeling it's going to be uh, get an anatomy award uh, this year. But anyway, just giving you a heads up on the L word, continuing with great nudity and great girl well, girl moments. And I have to tell you that Jennifer Beals, it looks good. She's got to be in her 40s by now. Yeah, she's early 40s. Yeah, so still looks very very good. She's held up well. Yes, she has. And what's cool about that show, every time they have a guest star on, they'll have Sybil Shepherd on or Rosanna Arquette, and they'll get naked. So it's like you almost have to get naked if you're going to even be on the show. It's a, sort of a reverse door prize. Yeah, exactly. All right. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. We will Robert. talk to you next week. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, there you go. I meant to ask him about Morgan Fairchild. I guess I can go to his website. I keep wondering if Morgan Fairchild, it doesn't seem like she had to have at some point. Here's the thing about Morgan Fairchild. She's a very attractive woman, obviously, but almost in a way that, like, I can't picture her nude in some way. It's like she's, I don't know why. It's, it, I think it's because she, in some ways, not really my type, but she sort of does look so flawless, but almost like a mannequin. I can't even really imagine, like, I, it, in my head, when you take off her clothes, it's just like smooth plaster. There's just nothing there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Britney Spears was released from the Psycho Ward of UCLA today at 7.30. Make that 11.30. It was unclear where she was going, but sources say she might head for one of her homes 
before seeking additional treatment. He's not seeking additional treatment. The LAPD was not involved this time. She hired private security. Now, do we know now? But her dad is still then the what's it? The conservative, yes. right? Mm -hmm. All right. Because so, so she might have to get treated against her will. All right. So I can't. Doesn't it just seem like? I mean, if she really is nutty and bipolar and whatever, that's the whole thing. Is that she goes through a stage where she's crazy, and then she goes through a stage where she can pass for normal. So it seems like now she's just in the stage of passing for normal, and probably all is going to be well until she until she just tips over again, and then she's going to be nuts, and she'll refuse treatment, and then they're going to have to haul her back to the. Eventually, they're just going to have to like set up a room and just put her on a leash and keep her there forever. I mean, so we really ought to enjoy these Britney moments while they last. Because eventually they're just going to have to throw away the key with her. There's there's no getting around that. Or just or just pad the walls of her home and remove all the doorknobs. So anyway, there you go. So that's that. We don't know where she is, and somebody must be out looking for her at this point. And by the way, if you go to rickemerson.com, uh, as of now, uh, you can uh, click on the link that says Jesus God Almighty, and you can see this woman with a knife in her eye. Uh, it's all well and good. Let me just give you a brief description of the photos. Just photo one, her presumably before the knife accident. Photo two, her on her back with a paramedic, you can't say anything. Photo three, I sound like Mr. Skin, but about knives and eyes. It, photo three, far away, can't really see anything. Photo four, disturbing x-ray. Photo five, more disturbing x-ray. Photo six, ha! And then it's just more of the same from there. So I really have to say that if I didn't know this was real, I would call this an exceptionally well-done fake. This is probably the most disturbing thing I've seen all month. I mean, the, the month is young still, but really. So that's at RickEmerson.com. Here's Tim Riley. Police have arrested a man on suspicion of crashing his car and causing a power outage that disrupted the Super Bowl for thousands of football fans. Luis Mendoza was arrested on misdemeanor driving after the influence charges, or under the influence charges, were allegedly hitting a power pole and short-circuiting TV reception to 8,300 customers in Brentwood, California, during the final minutes of the Super Bowl. He was arrested, and he was also treated for leg injuries. Football fans missed the final two touchdowns that led the Giants to upset the New England Patriots. Pacific Gas and Electric said all but 23 customers got their electricity back within two hours, but missed the end of the Super Bowl. It's like, what was that Super Bowl years ago where they, um, it was right at, right at the end of the game, and it was like ABC or somebody switched, and they started showing, oh, God, what is a famous event. What was the movie? It was like... It, it was like some Anne of Green Gables type film that at the last moment, ABC cut off like the last six minute moments of the game and then they started showing some children's movie. Um, anyway, so there you go. By the way, I saw that as of yesterday, Snorg Tease is already selling a fantastic T-shirt that in the Patriots font says 18 and 1. I was really tempted to buy it. Then I mm. thought, no, because that's the thing I can only wear. for. It's like a snake's on a plane shirt. Like I can only wear that for like a week. Uh, let's do a couple of these. Hello, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Sarah Madam, as the case may be. What have you got? Hi, yes. Yes. Uh, just if you were looking for some good coffee uh, in Lake Oswego, um, in an unnamed uh, grocery store, they're selling Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Now I've heard good things about Dunkin' Donuts coffee. One wouldn't think that it would be really good because you think burnt, sitting around, half an inch in a pot, boiling away all day. But but uh, Tim is nodding his head vigorously. Dunkin' Donuts uh, coffee, pre, thumbs pre up, Tim. Yes. Pre-ground at eleven dollars a bag. I don't know. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll look at it. Yeah, I hear good things about that. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rick. All right. Yeah, it's an old school East Coast donut chain. Yeah. Donutford's Coffee and Donut. You, you don't really think about, I mean, I guess when I think about uh, a coffee and donut place, I get, as I said, in my head, it's always like about 1 a.m., and there's always like a glass coffee pot that has about an inch of coffee that's been boiling since like 6 a.m. So I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to try it at some point. Oh, somebody about Morgan Fairchild. 
hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hey, Morgan Fairchild was in The Seduction. It was a late 80s movie about a stalker who was watching her from across the uh, her, their parking lot. She was, like, swimming and stuff naked. Right. He hid out in her uh, her closet and stuff. It was pretty cool. All right. Was she hot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She Actually, you're right, though. She has that plastic. And that. You probably I can't see that. Well, you didn't. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Oh, great. Huge pencil erasers, Rick. All right. Here's Tim Riley. He was just painting vivid word pictures. That's okay. We're, we're no saints uh, in that regard ourselves the last couple of days. That is true. I remember somebody reading something right off a news report yesterday <laughs> without... Uh, Without mentally screening it. <laughs> well, uh, he said he was going to blank on her grave. I'm Tim Riley. <laughs> there was a certain urgency to that. <laughs> yes. Never geek watch. Here's your geek watch for uh, Wednesday. My grab star's hammer. Jesus. Oh. What? What? Oh. speed huh? is intolerably slow. In the Queen dilemma, remember you used to... just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux. So just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it. Better does. Part one of several parts. New Light is in talks with horror production company Platinum Dunes to relaunch the Nightmare on Elm Street movie series. The first movie was made by Wes Craven and was released in 1984. The runaway success of the film spawned a slew of sequels and created one of the most popular villains in film history, Freddy Krueger. Mm. Platinum Dunes is prepping another relaunch Friday the 13th, which will be uh, directed by Marcus Nispel of New Line, for whom it remained the Chainsaw Texas Massacre. The company is remaking Near Dark for Rogue and The Burrs for Universal. It is also prepping a non-remake project, an unentitled David Goyer thriller. I got so much to say about this. Yeah. All right. One, why are, they, why are they remaking The Birds? That just seems stupid. I mean, leave well enough alone. Nah, They'll probably know. use more birds. Probably. And you know that... Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even care. Um, secondly, I don't really care that they're remaking Friday the 13th. I know a lot of the geeks are really upset about that, and they're sort of agitating all over the Internet about it, and I don't care. Friday the 13th is crap, and don't get me... Look, and I, and I love Friday the 13th movies in a weird way. I've seen them all multiple times. I used to be able to name them all in order. Let's see if I still can. Friday the 13th, uh, 1. Uh, Friday the 13th, 2. Friday the 13th, 3D. Friday the 13th, 4, the final chapter. Friday the 13th, 5, a new beginning. Friday the 13th, 6, Jason Lives. Friday the 13th, 7... Jesus, this is the one that always screws me. The New Blood, uh, Friday the 13th, 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, Friday the 13th, uh, 9, Jason Goes to Hell, Jason X, Freddy vs. Jason. So there you go. I do love the Friday the 13th movies in a horrible sort of way, but they're bad films. Don't let anybody tell you, no, 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 they're really good. They're actually pretty great. They're horror classics. They're terrible. They're terrible, terrible films. They're like snakes on a plane, you know? But actually more enjoyable, I suppose, because they're so bad. But Friday the 13th movies are awful. The only one that stands on its own as an actual film is the sixth one, because they sort of did it campily as sort of a comedy. Um, so those are awful. I don't care if anybody remakes those. The, the Nightmare on Elm Street thing just pisses me off, though, because, first of all, Robert Englund, I think, is not going to be in it, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's old, but, I mean, Freddy Krueger's buried in, like, a billion pounds of makeup. It doesn't matter if he's old. He could totally... He is... I mean, he really is Freddy Krueger. The only way that, if, that a Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, another film in that series will work 
is if they, and I, I'm not alone in this. I saw a post about this the other day, because uh, I am a lifeless nerd. Uh, I saw a post that they should do it as a prequel, uh, because people forget about Freddy Krueger. It's weird to think that Freddy Krueger, Tim has just turned off his microphone. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that, Tim was sort of switching to Larry King off mode for a second there. I'm sorry. I have to get this out, and then, then, we'll, then we'll move on. No, I understand. I'm curious to hear about it. I'm just saying, people sort of forget about Freddy Krueger. It's funny to think that Freddy Krueger has become sort of a weird, cartoony-like, you know, like a fun guy. Like a, like they're Freddy Krueger-like dolls, where you pull the string and it's just like, rah, 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 Freddy Krueger, you know, whatever it is he says. And uh, there was, you know... Playing at McDonald's Playland. Yeah, the Freddy Krueger toys... And Freddy Krueger, like Halloween... Freddy Krueger is a child molester, which is sort of a thing that people kind of forget about. Like, Freddy Krueger, I'm not trying to be horrifying, but it is true. Freddy Krueger molested children and then cut them up with knives. And so it's sort of bizarre that he became this sort of wacky, like, fun-loving guy that everybody thought was hilarious. He's America's favorite knife-wielding child molester. Uh, and you know who did that? That's all Frank Darabont. That's how twisted that guy is. Frank Darabont, who did The Mist, uh, Frank Darabont's whole thing was, I'm going to take this child molester and I'm going to make him everybody's favorite wisecracking anti-hero. So, anyway, so it's just sort of warped that everybody glommed onto Freddy Krueger as like this funny guy that's wonderful. Um, so the only way they could make those movies scary again is if they did a prequel, uh, which is before the parents killed him. Because the backstory of Freddy is, again, he was a janitor who like molested kids, cut them up with knives, and then the parents caught him and burned him to death. And that's why he's all scarred. Because the parents said, hey, quit molesting our children, you. And then they set fire to him and burned him and killed him. So they should do a prequel back when he was just a nutty, uh, knife-wielding janitor. That would be really creepy. Uh, you know, because as it is now, he's just become too cartoony for his own good. So, anyway, rest of that, screw it. All right, part two of three. Uh, Dateline San Francisco, Ender's Game, a classic science fiction novel about a boy military genius who is trained through war games to fight aliens, is finally becoming a game itself. Under the deal, Share uh, Entertainment, the game studio behind the recent hit Undertow, will develop uh, titles based on Orson Scott Card's book. The novel, which, with all its uh, probing of the line between reality and games, has long been eyed by video game fans as a rich source of material for the medium. Share plans to make uh, several titles based on the book, with the first one slated to be a downloadable game that should be available in 2009. Part 3. Director uh, Geronimo del Toro is in talks to direct two movies based on J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Del Toro's name was on a short list of potential directors to bring the book to the big screen. The uh, Mexican dictator, the director, is no uh, stranger to fantasy picking up of an Oscar nomination for Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, del Toro is also a big fan of the source material and is staying uh, true to it. I never saw Pan's Labyrinth. You did, though, Sarah, didn't I you? I did. Everybody raves about it. I wasn't... I, I thought it was really pretty, but I never wanted to see it again. Really? Fatboy went on and on about how great it was, it was but maybe it was just visually. It was pretty, yeah, it was visually pleasing. It was a pretty dark and disturbing movie. Uh. The creatures themselves were really interesting. I guess it was looked really good for being on a low budget. I guess he made it with almost no money, but they said that it looked really, really good. Um, all right. Uh, uh, Peter Jackson was the potential director, but due to his uh, commitments to the, uh, the Love Bones and Tintin, he had opted for the role of the executive producer. Tintin? That's what it says here. Or Tintin? Tintin? T-I-N-T-I-N. That's Tintin. Tintin. The dog Tintin? That's Rintintin. Well, that's a word that sounds really weird if you say it two or three times in a row. Rintintin. It's like Keebler. 
I was saying Keebler to myself. Do you ever latch onto a word and you say it out loud because it just makes you giggle? I was up really late the other night, and I think I saw a TV ad for Keebler cookies or something. I was kind of tired and loopy, and I was sitting in the living room and started going, Keebler, Keebler, Keebler to myself. Sometimes for hours, blah, 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 will go through my head over and over again. Blah, 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 And then you just sit there and laugh like a moron. I do. I laugh every single time, and they'll just go through my head in a circle. Um, anywho, so there you go. So Guillermo del Toro uh, doing The Hobbit and uh, blah, 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 stack the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. So uh, a little more uh, breaking news here. UCLA doctors have determined that Brittany did not pose the legal danger to herself or to others, such that harder. they could continue to hold her against her will. As a result, she was released today, and apparently she's already back home. Uh, home we don't know. She'll be taking knitting needles to her eyes. Home, before the she end has of the day. several homes. Home. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, you just did that. Yeah, I didn't catch it. Okay, I was, I was quick. You know that that the lightning fast wit before I could even process it. You were already done. Um. Well, eh, she just she wears me out, that girl. All right, um, there you go. There's your triple geek watch. For, uh, I grab Star's hammer yeah. by the Sons of Warband. I, I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, the football game you're talking about was an American Football League game, and NBC had them back before the merger, and the Jets and the Raiders were playing... Jets were way ahead, I believe, and so they broke off the game and went to Heidi. That's right. That's what it was. They showed the yep. movie Heidi. And, and, didn't, and But there was some huge reversal in the last minutes of the game, right? Exactly. In the interim, but while the game was gone, the Raiders scored like three touchdowns in five <laughs> minutes and won the game. And no one got to see it. Exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. Excellent. Thank you for clarifying that, sir. Best show ever. Thank you. Bye. Wonderful. All right. Jesus. All right. Hey, Richie. Um, I'm going to take this Ash Wednesday call, and that these, I appreciate that people really want rush tickets, but they can't just call up and hang on hold. That's not going to work. Uh, so, Richie, I'm going to take this call on line four. Then we will need to clear out the phones. We will take call on number five right now. Okay, okay, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, earlier on when you guys were talking about Ash Wednesday, uh-huh. and you said Ash for cash, I believe, or someone brought that up. I don't think and... that was me. Or any... Were you listening to the Playhouse? <laughs> I was listening to something. Ash uh, for cash. Yes, well, I'm thinking that sounds like a Jobism to me. Michael, I've got a great... Arrested development. Ash for cash. I don't that think anybody... Like did anybody Job here say that? But, I mean, I don't did you so. come up with that, sir, or is that a thing you think you heard us say? No, you were speaking about Ash Wednesday, and yes. there was something about someone should charge money for something... And I'm like, hmm, Ash for cash. That is a great idea. We, you know what? Like you know make. what? I wish we thought of this yesterday. That could have been a kooky radio contest we did. Ash for cash Wednesday. Well, Jobism, isn't it? No, it really is. I could, I could see that. I could totally mm. see him coming up with that. Damn right. Damn right. All, All right. right. Well, have a good one. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Well, we're waiting for these lines to uh, fill. Oh, should we break? You want to break, and we'll come back with. Uh... Oh wait, when do we have uh, Steve? Like in five minutes? Yeah. Okay. I think we could do it. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Rush tickets. Uh, Richie is taking calls right now for people who are trying to win rush tickets. We'll do uh, color five after this. Get a chance to play for rush tickets. Steve Kastenbaum, uh, more from Tim Riley on the way, and so forth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere.
I'm sure that you're right about that situation. Oh, that's what I would do. All right. 503-733-2970. More of Tim Wright. Jesus, it's 215. I think lately the show is, uh, we're on like two times mode or something. We're, I mean, it's, the show, there's nothing wrong with the show. It's fine. It's just, they seem to zip by lately. Where does the time go? All right. Um, in just a moment, Steve Kastenbaum uh, joins us. Uh, well, in fact, let me do this first. Let's just not, let's do this bring him up. Hello, Steve Kastenbaum. Hey. Hello, how sir. Are you? How are you? Are you much of a uh, either Dungeons and Dragons player or Rush fan? Um, uh, of the two, I would definitely uh, check the box for Rush okay. over Dungeons and Dragons. All right. Now, can you hold on just a second? Mm-hmm. All right. Hold on one second. Uh, let's see. Caller 5. Hello, Caller 5. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well, sir. Are you a Rush fan? Uh, more or less, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. We're playing for a pair of tickets to see Rush at the Amphitheater of Clark County, Sunday, June 1st, 2008. Tickets on sale February 9th. That is Saturday. Uh, Ticketmaster outlets, Ticketmaster.com or LiveNation.com. That is Rush uh, at the Amphitheater of Clark County, Sunday, June 1st. Here's the deal. I will give you uh, your choice here. You may either answer a Dungeons & Dragons question, play... <laughs> Play What Is That Rush Song, or you can have Steve Kastenbaum try to guess the Rush song for you. Let's do that. Steve. You want to do the latter? You want to have Steve play for you? Yeah. All yeah. right. I like I've done that without asking Steve his opinion on that, by the way. let's. Hello, Steve. Hey, I'd like to guess the Rush song. That would right. be fun. So here's the deal. Wait, wait. How long, of, how long of a piece will you play? You get 20. Now, here's the deal. You, it's going to be a Rush song, but done in a different style. In other words, a Rush song performed in a different style of music. Oh, this is fun. Okay. Uh, you will get 20 seconds of music and then 10 seconds of thinking time. Okay. Uh, and if you can correctly identify the Rush song, uh, uh, this uh, call it Miguel uh, will win a pair of passes to see Rush at the amphitheater at Clark County. Good thing I don't know Miguel at all. Yes, because that's, you have no guilt about it then. Exactly. All right, here's the deal. I'm going to put you on hold so you can hear more clearly. We'll play you 20 seconds of Rush, then uh, 10 seconds of thinking music, all right? Okay. Yeah. All right, there we go. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, let's see here. All right. Um, all right, there we go. Load it up. Let me make sure that this is turned on. All right, Steve Kastamov, I wish for you to name this Rush song. <laughs> Kastenbaum, do the, you... the thinking music ruined it for me. I was like getting there, and then the thinking music came on, and it killed it. Do you not know the song, sir? I was getting to it, and, I, and I'm like, I'm running through my head. I'm like, is it closer to the heart? Is it Red Barchetta? Hmm, Limelight? No, I couldn't. I, and then, and then the thinking music came on. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I, like, I couldn't remember what song it was. Oh, so sorry. All right, hold on, Steve. Hold on just a second there. Uh, hello, Miguel? Yeah? Sadly, Steve Kastenbaum has uh, screwed your chances at rush tickets. Oh, Can I answer? <laughs> I don't know, Sarah. Let's go to the, let's go to the judges now. We, we need to start giving these tickets. We threw, it, we, threw, we threw it to Steve. 
So, now, now, Steve choked. Now, do we give Miguel a shot at it, Sarah? I don't, I'd say yes. Well, let me flip a coin here. I Hold don't, on. I don't, I, I, I don't want to incur the, the wrath of other people, but you really are right. It's Wednesday, and I have, like, multiple pairs of these to give away. Yeah. Well, All right, well, hold on. Poor guy win the ticket. Hold on. on. Hold on. Heads, you get to... Heads, you get to... Okay, Miguel, it is heads, you get to guess. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, closer to the heart. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye, Miguel. However. Thank you. Uh, well, that makes me feel better in a perverse way, because if he'd won, then all the other Rush uh, people would have gone crazy on me. So, all right. Well, really, play that again. Really? Okay. Without the think music. All right, but here's the thing. If you get a, even if you know what it is, I don't feel like you should say it now, because I get, that means I get to use it again for another couple oh, Okay, I won't say it, but I want to hear it all again. All right, hold, okay. hold on. Here we go. Do, do yeah, you know? now, now I was singing along with the words. <laughs> now I got it, but, you know, as soon as the thinking music came on, it, like, it well, totally took the song out of Okay, my head. I'll tell you what. At the end of this call, so, Richie, have these folks hold on. At the end of this call, if you have a minute or so, we'll, uh, we might give you a chance to redeem yourself with another caller or oh to bring further shame on your family. I mean, it really could go either way. Maybe I should not say anything. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. Uh, well, well, Heath Ledger. So this is, is not the final word, maybe, but this is sort of. But but they have said now. How, first of all, do you know this? How do they determine if it's an accidental overdose? Do you know? They uh, they can they they presume it is based upon the amount of drugs in his blood. In other words, there wasn't an excessive quantity of any of the drugs that were in his system. Okay, that makes sense. So, in other words, no no one of the drugs would have killed him. It it was, in fact, the combination. Right. You know, he had two painkillers. He had uh, Oxycontin and Vicodin in his system. Right. Then he was taking Valium and Xanax for anxiety, and he was taking Unisom and Restoril for sleep medication. I got to tell you, and it's not like I take a, a, a lot of prescription medication, but I've, I've been prescribed Vicodin a time or two, and I have to tell you this, it's... Uh, and I will say, in all honesty, I never exceeded the dosage. I never like started taking it just be, just because I am so afraid of the inadvertent. You take too many, and then the, you know you're choking on your own vomit or something. Uh, but I will tell you that with that Vicodin, it did become really easy because the Vicodin is a painkiller. Uh, it's like a super Tylenol, basically. It did become really easy. To take a Vicodin, like every time I had any kind of it, well, I've got a small ache in my wrist. I better take a Vicodin. And wow. it, it did, you know, and again, I, I, I'm going to be very honest about it. I never did abuse it, but at the same time, it became, you, you know, like you, you just started, you sort of lose sight of the fact that, hey, this is like a heavy duty prescription drug. Like you, it's on the shelf in a bottle next to all of the other pills you've got, you know, that you're aspirin, you're whatever, and you just start thinking, well, you know, yeah, I got a headache or I got a whatever, I'll pop a couple of these. And you do. The, the, the seriousness of the drug itself, I think you start to lose perspective on that. So maybe it is it becomes easy to start mixing them then. I think I think that's what happened here, that uh, he had all these medications. Um, who knows if he even took them all at the same time, you know, or maybe, you know, there was residual, you know, medication from, from, a, from taking one a few hours earlier. I, you know, I, we, we don't really know. Uh, all right. Well... Um, hey, just as a side note here, uh, so Hillary took New York last night. Uh, as I mean, that was expected, was it? it did, did Obama do better than expected, or was it about what folks thought? I think it was. 
definitely not how we had thought it was going to turn out in New York State. We thought he would be a little bit closer, but uh, we knew she was going to win the state according to polls that were going on. But uh, it looked like it was going to be a much closer race in New York State. Nonetheless, though, he still picked up a lot of delegates here in New York. Uh, I think for me the surprise was that he didn't win New Jersey after he campaigned there so hard. Uh, the Hillary Clinton um, uh, machine, as they like to call it, is really well entrenched uh, in New Jersey as well as New York, so I guess they were able to get the voters out there. And uh, he did win Connecticut and Delaware, but she wound up winning uh, Massachusetts, despite yep. the, the huge endorsements from Ted Kennedy and John Kerry. So the presumption is those endorsements were either too little too late, or that those two guys just don't carry the weight that they used to with voters in that state anymore. i got to tell you, I don't really know anybody who knows anybody who even knows anybody who says, wait a minute, I wasn't going to do this before, but now that John Kerry has endorsed it, I have <laughs> to go that way. I don't really know that John Kerry, uh, I don't think that guy carries the weight of a, I mean, he. I, I think he's a non-factor, let's put it that way at this point. So, mm. uh, All right, well, before we close it out, let's do this. Hold on one second. Uh, this is, hi, Joe. Hello. Hey, Joe. Uh, are you a Rush fan? Not at all. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you, know, you, you already know. You're on the spot. Dude, you already I'm know. I'm a good friend who's a Rush fan. All right, Joe. Well, him. here's the thing. Let Joe answer it. <laughs> Joe, I'm going I'm to I'm give you three choices. You can either play Name That Rush Song. You can play Let Steve Try to Guess That Rush Song. Or you can take a Dungeons & Dragons question. Well, I'll let Steve do it, even though he might not try because I'm not a fan. All right. Hold on a second. I'll put you on hold. All right, Steve. Same deal as before. 20 seconds of Rush done in a different style. 10 seconds of thinking mm -hmm. music. All right? Oh, boy. It's all on the line here. Okay. All right, hold on. Here you go. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum, name that Rush song. Sir. Yeah, I had to play the thinking music. No, I got it this time. All right, what is that rush song, Steve? That would be Closer to the Heart. Well done. Thank <laughs> God Almighty. All Thank right. you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Richie, can you talk to uh, Joe on line two? Uh, Joe, you are going to see Rush, the amphitheater at Clark County, on Sunday, June 1st, courtesy of uh, AM970, The Rick Emerson Show, and Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, tickets... <laughs> Yes? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, just tickets oh, on sale Saturday, February 9th, 10 a.m. at all Ticketmaster outlets. All right. Well done, Steve. But, you know, I think I, I really realized that I was no longer, like, young and cool when Rush Discs started appearing in the discount bin at the record store. Exactly. When it's got that notch taken out of the side? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, what can you do? That's, that, I was, we've taken um, many, many calls trying to win these tickets the last couple of days, and... Here's here's more proof of that. About 80% of the calls when I say, hey, are you a Rush fan, so-and-so? They all go, well, I used to be. <laughs> so, you know, what can you do, brother? All right, my friend, enjoy the rest of your day. You on tomorrow? Uh, yes, I will be. All right, we will undoubtedly talk to you then. Have a great afternoon, sir. So long, folks. Here we go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I'm glad he pulled he's it out at the so end. Jolly. I, I would have felt bad if he choked twice in a row. And plus, we, Jesus, we had to give these away. So, so how many more do we have? For three pair. Okay, cool. So we're still only really a pair down. I think we have three pair. We have five pair. We have one yesterday, one today. So we got 
uh, two pair tomorrow and a pair on Friday, theoretically. So we got three pair left. So uh, if you have not won rush tickets, and by the way, and I told Sarah this during that last song to, to remind me, tomorrow I will give away a pair or attempt to anyway in the 11 o'clock hour. So don't feel like you always got to be listening to the 2 o'clock hour. We'll try to do them early in the show tomorrow. So if you have not won tickets, we've got three pair left. Don't you fret. Um, have you seen Christina Aguilera's breasts? Yes, she looks like a porn star. Yes, she does, Sarah. Yeah, you know, you and I have this sort of divide. I've noticed this, actually, that you and I really are, uh, it's like that optical illusion where you see, you know, two faces nearly kissing and I see a white candlestick. You know what I mean? I think you would probably see the faces kissing. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. And you'd see the candlestick? Wow. Indeed. <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying, but you and I will look at the same woman sometimes. Looked, well, she looked so classy for a while there, and now she looks kind of beat. See, I don't see that. That well, she, first of all, let's be honest. She had a kid, so no, I'm not even saying like she's not getting way. a lot of sleep. Well, and no, I'm saying the way that she styled her hair, her makeup, her outfit, her everything, is not yes. working. You are really. No, she has like these enormous boobs and like this really like this brown shirt dress thing and like the black leggings on, I, that you're talking about, right? I got Yeah, in fact, I got to uh, where there was this one photo of her. Let's see. Oh, there we go. All right. I'm going to put these on my way. How can I not? Are they on your uh, site? Probably not. No. You, they're probably not bad enough for you to put on her site, so, Yeah, I mean, site, they're not, right? Yeah, they're not bad. They're not good. She looks like she's wearing so much makeup well, and but her she, hair is But like, she always does. That's the thing. Doesn't she, she always... Like even more, though. I mean... Like, it, she's wearing, like, like she's spackled on, like, foundation. Like, doesn't she really... always look a little greased up? Like, oh, yeah. remember during that phase? What was that song she did? Dirty? Mm-hmm. You know, that... Nah, 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 nah. That song was kind of a cool... It's a cool song, actually. But I remember seeing the video for that. It wasn't she literally like rolling around in greasy mud like in a basement with some guys. No, she was in a, a wrestling ring, but it was like full of mud or. But it was like a fight club room, right? Yeah, it she's was wearing all... like under like all she's wearing is like small underwear and like. Yes. Um, what should the caption for this be on my blog? What should the title be? You're good at that. What should I title this blog entry that is really just about Christina Aguilera's boobs? Oh, I don't know. I'm just gonna put Christina Aguilera's boobs. <laughs> Christina. A lot of my titles involve profanity. Christina. Aguilera breasts. That is all. I need to look at the picture again. Maybe I'm being too man, harsh. Uh, no, no, no. I, you, I mean, well, it depends on what you mean by harsh. No, I, the and thing I'm is, not saying that she looks... And, and not anything for her weight, because I know she just popped out a baby, what, like a couple weeks ago? Yeah, no, no, no. She, you know what? And uh, Hold on just a second. So click here. You know you want to. I mean, I would, I would be doing a disservice to my gender if I didn't, um, you know. Yeah, her boobs are—they're massive. So they're huge. Big. Now, are, now, does she have fake breasts? I thought so. And how does? And here's a question—not that you would necessarily know—but how does pregnancy affect breast implants? I don't think you can breastfeed. That—I don't think that's true, though. No. I don't think that because Pam Anderson said that she could. I mean, because really, it's just—I mean, I'm not trying to be gross, but I'm just saying. It's not like they change any mechanics, right? It's like they just uh, they just pad it. It's I think like, there are different ways of putting them in. Like you can put them above the muscle or under the I muscle. I think it's you're supposed to do under, aren't you? I think those look more natural. Maybe. Uh, so I didn't. I heard that she had breast implants, but then she was like Madonna, where you could never tell from one picture to another. Like from one picture to another, Christina Aguilera's bosoms seemed of very different sizes. All right, that's at rickemerson.com right now, and these are safe for work. There's no nudity. It's just that her breasts are enormous. So. She always wears a lot of makeup, but I have noticed this, a couple things. A, first of all, I have no problem with her weight in this photograph. And you know what? And 
No, and please let me say again that I'm not saying anything about her weight. No, and I'm not. No, I'm not saying you are. But I'm saying you. But you know that there's people out there. You know there's guys out there. Like with those Jennifer Love Hewitt photographs. Mm-hmm. You know there's guys like waiting to make a crack about her weight. Uh, and you know, just spare me. <laughs> just I mean, really save it. And, if oh. if like if the best you can do as a guy. Uh, to, to, is to look at these Christina Aguilera photographs. If really this is the best you could do, is oh, she's fat. You know what? It explains why you are dating. She looks. She looks like a trans, uh, like a transsexual person. She looks like a drag queen. She See, looks like the character that she was playing on. Um, she was on Saturday Night Live and she played Kim Cattrall and she was playing Kim Cattrall. She's like, I'm a dude. <laughs> like Kim Cattrall basically as a drag queen. Okay, but look at the very last photograph of her. It's about two thirds away down the page. It's where she's just looking down. It's a straight on shot. She's looking down and signing. I mean, she's wearing a lot of makeup. I'll grant you that. But you can't. But she's still very pretty. I mean, you have to say she's still very pretty in this photo. What makes her look like a porn star is the, the outfit and that lipstick. No, and the, the um, no, and the faces she's making, like the picture right above that one. Because she has, like, gray eyebrows, intense black eyeliner, you know, with, like, and her whole face is just spackled with that foundation. You can see it. And then the red lipstick outside of her lips. This conversation really is fascinating because this really is a... Uh, this really is a men and women to speak two completely different languages kind of thing because yeah, and her skin almost looks gray. It looks like she has too much. There's too much going on in there. It doesn't even look like it's. Now, skin. can that be the lighting? Do you suppose? No, it's the makeup. Hmm. I didn't notice that her eyebrows are gray. They kind of, because I'm so distracted by her uh, red lipstick and her huge bosoms. Um, but it, but this really is emblematic of not just men. I don't I don't want to say it's men and women in general, but you and I because you and I uh, had this discussion about another girl who shall remain nameless. I was just talking to you about her during the break. You know, the girl with the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that girl. I don't want to identify her on the air. But there's a girl that Sarah and I both are sort of familiar with. Uh, No one who works here. We should put it that way. No one one who works here. Um, No one who you... uh, No one who's, you know, like a part of the show. Uh, And Sarah had one opinion of this girl's looks, and I had another opinion of the girl's looks. And it is like this Christina Aguilera photograph that... Really, where Sarah sees, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess maybe it's just we both see trashy, but but to you it's just a negative. Maybe that's that's really what it is. That could be it. Because to me, there's really, I mean, she has too much makeup on, and I'll give you that. Uh, And I don't really, it's not that I mind, you know, I think in the third picture down, she looks really pretty. You can see these photographs at rickemerson.com, these Christina Aguilera photographs. See, but that's just a facial expression thing. Like, that's not her fault. That's just whenever the camera happened to catch her. So, I'm saying, like, if she was making a neutral face posed for the camera, I think she still looks very pretty here. Way too much makeup, although you got to say she does look that same color all over, so maybe it's like a tan or something? One of those spray tan things? She looks a little shiny. I mean, I'll give you that. Um, Those boobs are unreal. They're huge. They're massive. They're, I, I, like, I was somebody looking at her face. I just and I don't think face. those are padded. It's like I don't think that dress she's wearing is augmenting them. I think they're just that big because she just had a kid. Um, so no, and obviously she loves them because she wouldn't be wearing that seriously. Kind of dress. I gotta say, if she looked like this for the rest of her life. I'm fine with that. If she decided to wear this same outfit and look exactly, if she decided she was gonna be like, a, you know, like Wilma Flintstone and just have this one outfit and one look forever, Rick Emerson is okay with that. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, this is the best she's ever looked. These are the best photographs of her that have ever been taken. So, uh, there you go. I just like trash. I, there's just no getting around it. I know. That's not all I like. But I'm saying that's one of those, speaking of which, there was this great moment last night when, and we have to break, we'll come back with Tim Riley. Have you news for us? Yes, even some breaking stories. 
Okay, well, I'll just say really quickly. Well, never mind. I'll wait. Just a dumb observation about uh, about last night. But um, All right, let's take a break here. You can see these photographs, by the way, at rickemerson.com. Uh, Tim Riley has breaking news around the corner later on. Uh, like is at 3. Donna Mike at 7. He said it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. that we give a morning show to Helen and Tonto the Donkey. Oh, thank you, sir. Duly noted. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, there's some breaking news. It's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Britney Spears has been seen driving her brand new black Mercedes out of her house in Studio City. Once again, Britney Spears is back on the road in Los Angeles. Run for your lives. UCLA doctors determined that Britney did not pose a legal damage, uh, danger to herself or to others. And they could not continue to hold her against her will. Therefore, she was released this morning at 11.30. Her conservatorship is still in place. Sources connected with the case say they anticipate that UCLA will probably release her before the 14-day extension because she was cooperative and relatively stable. By Britney terms, I, I mean, guess. It is relatively stable. Yeah. Relatively stable. So once again, uh, Britney Spears was released from the Cuckoo House at 11.30 this morning. She was seen driving her brand new... Oh, okay. So apparently she's driving her out and still hasn't come back. She's just driving randomly. By the way, she always does that. And the fact that it's a brand new Mercedes just makes people hate it's her It's a black more. one. Of course. All right. So that's that. You just bought that like two weeks ago, I think. That is true, isn't Sad it? Sad that I know these things about her. Okay. How was that French vanilla, by the way? <sighs> a little sweet for my taste. I, uh, I'm i not much of a fan of sweet things. So a little little, little, little sugary for my taste. Would you try it again? Well, maybe. Maybe under the right circuit. You know what? You know when I might... Okay, here's the thing. To be honest, here's when I might try that French vanilla. Is maybe at the end of the day or maybe... Um, like in the afternoon, if I have a cup of coffee, maybe in the afternoon. Or maybe on a weekend, maybe Saturday or Sunday morning, like Sunday morning maybe, sitting around the house, just sort of, uh, you know, just waking up and just sort of wondering what I'm going to do with my Sunday. I might drink that French vanilla in my coffee while sitting on the couch on Sunday morning, just sort of waking up and uh, and just, you know, listening to music and pondering what my day will hold for me. It's a little more relaxing than I like. I'd, during the program, I think I like to straight ahead. Just the straight ahead of that the, the, the punch of those mini moo things. That's I'm kind of with that during the show. Well, it looks like the uh, chattering class agrees with you. Most are watching CNN last night, three million fifty-four thousand, as opposed to Fox News, two million six hundred forty-four thousand. And MSNBC, which nobody can find anymore, no. is uh, one million seven hundred thousand. It doesn't help that CBS, CBS, that Fox News hired Carl Rove to be one of their analysts. I mean, really. Uh, lots of, li I, you know, whatever. Uh, and again, it's, it's not like it, it, I watch CNN because it's some big liberal whatever. It's that CNN really, I think they figured out that they were never going to win playing Fox's game against them. So CNN, God bless them, they've come back to what they do best, which is just to be above it all and to be a clearinghouse for, I really do honestly believe, objective, unbiased news because they had... Their panel last night was half Democrats, half Republicans, but the great, you know what the brilliant thing about it is? None of them, not even the liberals, were doing talking points. They were all giving, I do again, I do compare it to retired NFL coaches observing 
a game and making observations about it. Even if they used to coach one of the teams, they really are giving an unobje- you know an objective, unbiased assessment of the situation. So they're yeah, they they did really well last night. So that's what happened. So CNN came, but of course more people watching that Fox American Idol show or whatever that thing was. Well, of course, yeah. Uh, about one third of all hit songs for the kids, including three quarters of those rap and roll songs, have some form of explicit reference to drugs, alcohol, tobacco. Overall, uh, 116 of 279 unique songs, 41.6%, but this is really bean counter stuff, had a substance abuse reference of any kind. 93 songs, 33%, contained explicit... Su- you know, does anybody really care about no, that? No, is that, well, is that just songs that are on the charts like now, I guess or is so. that like of all time? I guess so. Of the 93 songs with explicit substance use references, the behavior was frequently associated with partying, 54%, (laughs) sex, 46%, violence, 29%, or humor, 24%. Of these songs, substance use was often motivated by peer or social pressure at 48%, or sex at 30%. Children and adolescents are heavily exposed to substance abuse in popular music, and this exposure varies widely with genre. Substance abuse in music is frequently motivated by peer acceptance and sex. I don't know what that means. I don't either. That mean, does that mean that Nelly is only singing about sex because all the other cool kids told him to do it? Yep. All those people with droopy drawers. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for now. Are you done? Oh, yeah. That's it. Temporarily. Finished. All right. Back at uh, back later with more news, though? Oh, yes. Because the people that news never... St- oh, by the way, Tim, before you go, we've been invited to something here. I don't want to go. Would you? <laughs> I know, but don't you want to hear? Do you want to hear what we've been invited to before we do, before we all decline? Yes. With extreme prejudice, mm-hmm. we've been invited to take part in the um, third annual Portland Corporate Games. Isn't that what Sarah Spillin did last night? No, that was bowling with some. Uh, yes. Bowling with some whore from another company. <laughs> um, that was the actual title. That was the official title of the event. Um, yes. No, the Portland Corporate Games. Registration for the Portland Corporate Games is now available for the May 2008 tournament. You know what this is, Tim? No. Portland Corporate Games is a month-long... It's all your favorite things at once. Portland Corporate Games is a month-long sports tournament where employees of participating corporations compete head-to-head with other local businesses in a variety of fun events such as basketball, golf, softball, and more. Bobbing for apples. Gold, silver, and bronze met downsizing. Cooking the books. They ought to really have a corporate a corporate games just like that. Trimming Deadwood. Reducing benefits. <laughs> That's um, the real world stuff. <laughs> seriously. Doing more with less. Gold, silver, and bronze medals are awarded to the winners of each event. In addition, teams earn points that accumulate towards winning the ultimate prize. What do you suppose the ultimate prize is? What do people who work for companies want these days? Watch. The corporate cup, Tim. Oh. What? A silver goblet. Yeah, nothing nothing you can actually use. Not even like dental benefits. Not even like a coupon for maybe some food. No. Not even a Fred Meyer gift card? No. The, no, the corporate cup trophy is engraved with the name of the winning company and passed to the champion each year for display in their place of business. In their place of business. Um, the game's part of a business movement to engage workers in team building and boost company morale. You know what it... Never mind. I'm just going to... 
This reminds me of personal best. Can think of a... Yeah. Back oh, in our old picture days. all about still, personal best. I still have that booklet at home with all the stick figures pointing. Sarah didn't have to do personal best. No, what is personal best? You're a Trey Yant. Of course you do. Of course You're I am a good friend of ours. He was a professor. I know. That was sort of a... That was like a rhetorical mm-hmm. life. Do you remember? Um, I should say, I like Trey. Friend of ours, good yes. guy. I have nothing against him. Nope, he did a great job selling our station. But he really did. He was one of the really one I of the best sleazy in the best way. Yeah, totally. One of the best GSMs I've ever had, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but you know, and God bless him, he was trying to you know to, you know to, 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 rally the troops. And not just that, he was trying to stand out to corporate himself. Like he was not only trying to do something for the company, but he you know it's perfectly simple. Wanted to be noticed. He wanted to do something that would make corporate take notice of him. Mm-hmm. So he came up with this idea called Personal Best, which was like this sort of self not self but like a motivational program for the employees that he created and designed and then everybody then had to take. I understand. I totally understand why he did it. He was trying to do something, so they go, that Trey Yant, what a fine worker he is. And he you was. Know. And he was. He was really good. Um, and they, they they brought him back in another Fisher place, I think, after they, that. No, that's, I have nothing but good feelings for him. He was really, really good at, at his job and made us Does a lot. Does he still live around here? Uh, yeah, I think he, last time I checked, he worked at like a CW or oh, something. Oh, his daughter's getting yeah. probably a teenager now. Oh, she's going to be a handful. Oh, yeah. Um, her and Susan's daughter had to get together and set fire to things. Um, no, he made us a lot of money. I will say that Trey Yant made, made the station. Made He brought in a lot of money for that station. He was a good guy. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to, you know, bigger and better things. So his idea was how can I get noticed? Well, I'll create a seminar for you know motivation for the employees. And yet, Tim noted it. There was like a like a one of the one of these where it's a it's a book with this little like spring sp- spine in it, the little plasticky spring that holds it together. And, and there was always homework, and people would be sitting there like a minute before the meeting was supposed to begin, there filling was, in the blanks. There was a workbook that you had to fill out, like there were like homework. Like yeah, it really it was like a take home test that you had, and lots of stick figures. Like pointing to like an idea bulb question above marks, their head, question marks and, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, and like the stick figure would have a little light bulb above his head, and then there'd be like a little thing like useful tip: set aside five minutes of you time every day. Do a little something special for yourself. Uh, anyway. So these are to build morale. Don't look for gymnastics, says Mark Dominguez, the tournament director. We have events that anyone of any level of fitness can be. It's a great way to mix work and fun, Tim. We're mixing work and fun, Tim. Come on. Who would be against that? Me. I hate fun. <laughs> Excellent. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven. Top of the hour. What is like, that? All the way through, like, oh, by the way, Gus Wallace, general manager of the Red Line Hotel, says, "Get geared up for this one. We're going to have a ball." Oh boy. You know what I blame uh, this on? You know what I blame for this? I blame sitcoms for this. Because sitcoms have fostered this fiction that your workplace is a hilarious uh, place just to hang out and everybody there is funny. And why even go home? Why not just stay at work all day because it's a blast? Work is so much fun, you don't ever want to leave. You just want to stay at work. And then when the workday is over, you just want to spend all your free time, the bar, a date, going shopping, holidays. You want to spend all that time with your coworkers because they're just such a bunch of lovable goofs. That is that is really a complete invention of the American sitcom. That your work is so much fun and that your coworkers are so wonderful that you don't want to be away from them for even a second. Portland corporate that just that Jesus. cover makes it look a little freaky. Oh god, and there's all of these like wacky cartoon drawings of people like engaging in the uh engaging in the various uh let's play. Let's see here. Hold on. Uh how let's see what do they want us to do? You know, just looking at this makes me tired. An engraved trophy. 
Jesus. All right, I'm done. Okay. Uh, all right, sponsored by a drapery company. So, uh, all right, uh, take it right back after this. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get to you after this. Somebody's got a visa thing, and I think somebody about Christina Aguilera and her bosoms of plenty. So uh, stay there. We will wrap it all up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay right there, my friends. Interesting, I don't think you'd mentioned that. So is that the New York Post? Are they the ones saying it? Yeah, they're saying that inside sources are saying that's what's going on. And this is one photo of Heath Ledger, or was it taken in the apartment, do you know, or was it like here in the body bag? The photos were snapped of Ledger shortly after his body was discovered in his New York City lot. Well, you got it. I mean, I'm not saying that that they did it, but I mean, you got to know that if you're one of the people who had access to that, you get the masseuse or whoever, you always assume that that goes through somebody's head, like, yeah, I can make some money off this snap on the cell phone. But, it's but, so morbid. Well, but it's like I said, like, look, I'm not above it. We, I sat and looked at all the Anna Nicole Smith death photos. I mean, I'm not above seeing those. It's not like I'm morally righteous or something. But I just have no desire to see the Heath Ledger ones. Like, mm-hmm. I... I can't believe those are going to sell for that much. It's, I just don't. I just don't want to see him. I just don't. I just don't know what publication, especially since he was so beloved, like would purchase that. Yeah, I will. I'm going to ask the Inquirer woman we talked yeah. to her about that. I'd be curious to know if they've been approached. Uh, Rick, are the forced morale boosters? Uh, he said, Ah, the forced morale boosters. Nothing makes an employee more happy than being forced to do social activities with people he or she loathes to the core of their being. Um, everybody I work with is that case of the Mondays woman from Office Space, and my company tries to force us to do team building activities on a monthly basis. And then uh, this is Todd the Corpse has a really great suggestion. He says, hey, here's a great way to grow company morale and get good spirits with a business. Gather all the employees in a room. Read them the corporate games description. Then when you're done, announce, nobody has to do this. Happiness ensues among uh-huh. employees. Well done, sir, for the win. All right, two more, and then we'll uh, close it up for the day. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, guys. What's up? Hello. Uh, well, happy birthday to me. I found Vizo for a buck. Excellent. Where at? A buck a bottle. Well... Now that I think about it, I don't think I want to say that out loud because I plan to go after work and buy it all. all right. Fantastic. Good for <laughs> you, sir. There are places in – now, it is my birthday, and all I want is for you to not make fun of me for being from Longview. <laughs> okay, done. Um, for people that are up here, you can get it at Fred Meyers, and at, uh, there's a place called the Tiger Mart on Washington Way that's relatively well-known. People know. Now, this is, is this, this is not the place where you can get it for a dollar, though. No, 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 you don't no, want to give that away. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I, right. I really do intend to go buy it all after work. Good for you, sir. Are they have, just so everybody else can be jealous? Do they have all the flavors, or is it just one flavor? Well, I'm actually I'm not sure. Um, my a friend of mine came by. My girlfriend's been sending a, a stream of people in yes. to work today with presents for me, and one of them had a bottle of Izo for a buck, and she said that they had it there, so I'm going to go get it. Well, good for Lucky you, my you. friend. All right, happy birthday to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Hello. Rick. Hey. If you want a new career, you can make mortuary DVDs of funerals. Do you mean like, are you suggesting that I start that because no one's doing it, or are you saying people do that now and I could get in on it? Well, actually, people do that now because I got two from distant relatives who have died. You know, i got to say, when Lara's grandmother died, we went to the funeral in Burbank, mm-hmm. and her weirdo relatives were there like with a video, like a handy cam, like filming her grandmother in the casket. Yeah. And to, to her credit, Lara was horrified by that and didn't know why it was happening. But, I mean, they're there like getting all up in the grandmother's face who's in the coffin. They're like, well, no, hold on. i got to get a good shot here. And they're doing like home movies of her grandmother in the dead like at the wake and it's like why are you doing like who's going to sit around and watch that when you're putting on jiffy pop it doesn't well, make any sense well i i got two dvds you know but i mean did, so i can were, grieve alone did, 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 
or at slack moments at a party, or at, like at a party when you want everybody to leave. You just put that on. Well, here's my cousin. He just died. Look at him. He's gray. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know one thing. Yes. When what? you're black, you never get good makeup. I, I'm serious. Do, well, no, they have that whole at Lloyd Center. They got that kiosk that's just for the ebony, uh, the ebony woman. No, I mean when you're dead. Oh, I su- well, I suppose. You know, no ebony woman's gonna come by and do you when you're dead. Well. Uh, well, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, but... I'm just, I'm just saying, I'll have to take your word for that. I've never been a dead black woman, so I, uh, this is a thing I'll have to trust your word. Is are you saying this because you've been to funerals and you've noticed that, or are you just yeah, speculating? I mean, all the black people are gray. I mean, it's just, it's just not a natural color. Well, see, now, see, now, now, look, now, here is a niche for you to get in. I think we now see there is a market opening for you. Well, I don't even do my own makeup right, so, you know, <laughs> dead people. But I'm saying if you have any nastiness on the air, if I, if I, if I try to find you and there's a Spanish station, I, I know what your next career move can be. Well, you'll, I'll be and out there. there. And Tim, too. And hawking DVDs of Grandma's last final moments. Cheesecake. All right, thank you. Thank you, bye. Bye now. All right, that's the last call of the day. It was I, a good one. It was good. I can't imagine it being better than that. All right, no time to be fair to another caller. Uh, you can give us a call tomorrow if you like. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Bob Costantini, Steve Castamon, Mr. Skin. Uh, let's see, uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan for AM 970, Solid State Radio, proud part of the CBS radio family. CBS is the Tiffany Network. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. Uh, let's see, uh, web uh, presence maintained by Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Don't cross her. Uh, like us next, Donna Mike at 7. As always, my friends, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastard cut it out. Watch out for snakes. And bye now.